This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Greetings, Nubians. Good everything. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. And um, I, my face is frozen. I was out in them streets, uh, the frozen tundra. Yeah, man, I was like, I think that's why people wear ski masks. Okay, all right. What's the temperature in Germany? Cold. I don't, I don't know. I just went out and I was like, oh, all you had to say. My face is about to, I'm like, I ain't walking that far today. All you had to say. <laughs> Turned around, yeah. walk, walk real fast and rub my cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 15 here without the wind. So oh, when I went to get the paper this morning, so. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, for those of you who don't have heat and stuff, you know, uh, or people yeah. that you know that don't have heat, people who are not unhoused in cold places, God bless them. Mm, God bless the shelter. them. Yeah. Yeah, for real. For real. So, so how art thou? What's um, what's the afro on your t-shirt? Who is this person? Oh, Who oh, I just figured out rock with Nina. Oh, okay. Nina. Oh. All right, yeah. Nina. Yeah, this this Nina, this Nina with her uh with her perm, as so to speak, to use the word, well, the way Kwame Ture used it. <laughs> Kwame oh, Ture, Ture, yeah, you're her permanent hair. Why do you call it Tempe perm? <laughs> Because your hair is your hair. It comes out of your head. That's your that's its permanent state. Then you put chemicals on it and straighten it. And now you call it a perm. No, that's a temp. You're wearing a temp. <laughs> Leave it alone for a month and it's back to the perm. So, yeah, she's wearing her perm, you know, with her, with her, rocking her, her bling and yeah. in a squatting position like, I'm ready. I'm not even bothered. My hands are loosely uh, combing. And uh, after what I saw Thursday night, I think we're ready. <laughs> no, so I said, I'm in a Nina mood. I'm glad you are in a Nina mood. I, I just wrote her name last night because I, I watched the yeah. Dion, Dion's Dion Warwick documentary. Don't and make me over. <laughs> I, Dr. Carr, you know what? This this class, this class and your framing of things is so important. Oh. That would be something, you know, she's from East Orange and sometimes we, you know, we reject our own. We do that a lot, by the way. We stop mm. doing that. You know, a prophet is never welcome in his own home. That you know that that oh, that, that's true. that serves something. But she's from you know she grew up in East Orange like I did, and you know you 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 move differently when when people are that familiar or that close to you. I got a lesson, and I have to apologize to myself for being ignorant and for not knowing how powerful this woman was and is still is. Cause she's still in the neighborhood, you know, still walking through the town uh, with her beautiful silver hair. But that, so she made me reframe. So, you know, I was about to do a past the baton series with, and I was yeah. going to feature the voices and I had to stop what I was doing and add Roberta Flack. There's a PBS special on her. Absolutely. And right Dion Warwick to the mix. Yeah. And that's on HBO Max for those of you who, who care. But everything from how she influenced rap music to the early days, the I mean, there's no Whitney, of course, we know, not just because she's a cousin, but because of her relationship with Clive Davis. But she did not, Sam Cooke had to hold her back, you know, because she came down south with that Jersey energy uh, during uh, segregation. It was like, oh, up. you can shove this hamburger up your ass. No it's question. No question. Me. With, with with class, Dion never raises her voice. No. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean all the dignity in the world will let all you know. of it. <laughs> I, I, so I encourage people to watch the one good thing of of having you know this Black History Month um you know um, guilt fund that people you know put things out and fund is that we I think we're getting a a host of great content. The Zornell Hurston documentary. 
I just interviewed the director of that this week, oh, and man. oh my god, I'm like video of Kasula. I mean, video, oh, yeah. not just the tape. I mean, we we video oh, the chain gang, video. No of, question, no of, question. Oh, and shout god. out to all the mobile people I saw on Thursday night. Uh, one sister in particular who uh, works and does uh, English and literature for AP and the College Board, uh, Jackie Stallworth, who said, "Get this, prof. When we go to Mobile, she said, when you get to Mobile, you got to go to Kasula's." I said, what you mean? She said, well, I go to the cemetery. No, Casula's is the club, prof. You know, M Mobile has the oldest Mardi Gras in the country, right? <laughs> it goes back to the early 18th century, almost 1600s. They got a club called Casula's with a picture of Mama Beach and Baba Casula on the wall, and them Negroes be getting down. She said, I was down there King Holiday weekend getting the end. So shout out, Jackie. She's in here doing the bitch. She be why she said, I'm just saying that spirit is still there in Mobile. So yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's footage of Casula and Kasula picture on the wall at Kasula's where you can hear that music and get down today. So I'm just letting you know we're undefeated, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but the, the ability and the and we must, you know, those of us who aren't like really strong readers and we don't like to read, reading makes us anxious, what have you. There's no judgment. However, you get this no. information is why we do the videos, is why you know we got to use all forms of medium to penetrate uh 400 years of indoctrination. But it it is beautiful because now the dots are connecting, you know. Uh, sometimes you are not ready for the information and that's fine too, you know, but I'm like, wow. And it's all lining up. So even the Zora Neale Hurston, we spent a whole uh, few weeks with Kasula and Zora and Tracy Sherrod coming in with Barracoon and uh, to, but to watch the documentary, it just put a nice little fine point on it. And um, so I'm, I'm grateful for this month for no other reason. And we're getting flooded and bombarded with a whole lot of content that we probably wouldn't get otherwise. So yeah, absolutely. And, and to all the people who made it possible, all the producers, all the writers, all the directors who are now and to the people who empowered them, which is us, the people, because none of this is out of the generosity of benevolence, as you say, of the heart, even this AP course very clearly got accelerated uh, Steve uh, Birnbach, who is like this ex senior vice president, brother from uh, D.C. here, good brother, very good brother, um, was talking about this, has been talking about it now for over two years. He said, you know, this thing really got advanced in the wake of black folk in the streets. This is everything, all of this, you know, this this course, does this, does this course exist? Is it mounted without the summer of 2020? So as we were getting rolling in, in this in this additional phase as you continue the work of getting out here and really engaging with folk and really pulling us together, our people were in the streets. And, you know, this was the crack that they needed, the folks who had been in, inside the college board for years to press. So this this too, this AP course is an example of that. So let's let's frame it. Let's frame it. Uh, we are day four of Black History Month. This is the birthday of Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. Happy birthday. Yes. The transition Rosa. day of Ozzie Davis. This is also uh, the day that France uh, abolished. They didn't abolish anything. Those people uh, took their freedom. France, stop, stop making dates in history when you know you you, you couldn't re-enslave them. So you ain't have a choice. That's so it right. wasn't like you did anything. Those uh, Africans in, in uh, IT abolished slavery. That's right. Um, no <laughs> so no they mark this day as the day that that happened. That's so, right. you know, uh, February is a very powerful month. You know, W.B. Du Bois is born later on in the month. You got a lot, a lot of things happening in February. Um, 
but this AP course, everyone's talking about it and all of the things that are left out. Um, so tell us how you were involved in this, um, uh, this AP African-American studies official course framework project and exam overview, which I'm looking at right now, yeah. how you were involved in, in shaping this. And what does it mean to us as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I kind of checked out because I feel like it doesn't matter what the curriculum is if the delivery system is broken. It's like police to me. It's like, police. so I think education is broken. The delivery right. system of education is broken. So you can put all of the fine coursework together that you want. If we don't have a way to actually penetrate the souls and the sinew of the children. That's right. Delivering it to then what is it all going to mean? Well, I mean, it, it, it is a, um, it's a, You know, as you say, it's not going to mean anything. I mean, this isn't the first curriculum. It won't be the last curriculum. The curriculum is a, a framework and a guide. Uh, before we, you know, as we continue, as you say, um, it's good to do this on Rosa Macaulay Parks, Rosa Louise Macaulay Parks' birthday. I'll encourage people, you know, if you got a couple of nickels to rub together, particularly for young people, there's an excellent small volume that was uh, done by the Library of Congress. I usually keep a copy on my desk over there, but I don't see it right now. Um, it's a little thin volume on Rosa Parks, Rosa Parks in her own words. Uh, her papers, uh, the, the core of her papers are at the Library of Congress. Um, Carla Hayden, the Librarian of Congress, uh, who started her career in children's libraries, uh, like the Carter G. Woodson Regional Library in Chicago, came through the uh, Baltimore system, of course, the Enoch Pratt Free Library. There in Baltimore, and then was uh, uh, was named the Librarian of Congress. Uh, that Rosa Parks exhibit that is the core that forms the the kind of material that's been selected from for the small book on Rosa Parks um, that they did exhibition catalog. Um, she was responsible. It happened under her librarianship. But I encourage people to get that, you know, and also uh, particularly for young people because a lot of images. Like you say, images, primary source documents, and then commentary. So you see Ms. Parks in her yoga pose. Rose Parks did yoga. Uh, you see Ms. Parks at various stages of her life as a, a thinker and intervener. I'm going to call her activist. We're born, we make transition. We're active all the way through. And after we make transition, we continue to be active. Why? Because even if you don't believe or have a sense of a way of knowing that deals with spirituality, the atoms in your body still move and nothing is still Nothing is absolutely still, but Ms. Parks, um, her life engaged in social justice movements and organizing traditions way beyond the 1950s in Birmingham. I mean, I'm sorry, in Montgomery. Um, of course, she was from Tuskegee, shout out to Tuskegee. And she was born in 1915, a few months before Araminta made transition. Uh, that would be Harriet Ross, who we know as Harriet Ross Tubman, her married name, John Tubman. Um, but Harry Tubman and Rosa Parks were breathing air on the on top of the earth at the same time for a few months before Mr. Tubman made transition. Um, yeah, so Rosa Parks' birthday, very important. And we've talked about her at length, of course. It's in the archive. Um, and yeah, we're in February now. And as we said last week, we would take this month and just again, a true blessing to be in community with everyone all over the world. And I mean that literally, the moment you'll see even another dimension of that as it relates to this AP course. Just, just a true blessing for us all to be together here in Nubia with the Narrative Archive 
in the in the world that is accessing this through YouTube and having dialogue in the comments and going and building that archive in both places and repositories matter. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Just a true, true blessing, because this is the work. The work is not the college board and an advanced placement class, even if it was picture perfect. The work isn't as much as I have a deep investment in it. And I've talked about it before and probably talk about it a little bit today. The 2007 um, curriculum that we did for the school district of Philadelphia, the curriculum framework called lessons in Africana studies, where we like to think and actually know, in fact, we resolved a fight that was at the heart of the AP course, you know, early on as the course was being drafted. And I was, you know, I'm very happy to have served on an advisory council of about a half dozen academics from around the country. And I'll show you all the documents in a minute now that we're past the point of things being embargoed and the world can get it. If you go to collegeboard.org, wherever you are in the world, search AP African American Studies, you can download what I'm about to show you in a few minutes. Um, but I was very happy to be one among uh, in that in that particular iteration of the advisory council is about about half dozen people. So you will see my name there among many others listed and I'll show it to you. But there were hundreds, literally hundreds who convened uh, in D.C. here, May before last, people came, debate, discussion, argument. But 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 curricula are political documents. We like to think in 2007 when we had a small team of about a half dozen and created what we're using now as the heart of our Africana studies work, those conceptual categories that guide the introduction to Africana studies class we're doing in Nubia. And by the way, Prof, uh, yeah, the tally on the app never really reflects the one behind the scenes. So we were over 3,000 people, huh? 3,500. 3,500. Okay, some people who have not yet joined Newbie or haven't come in. I know y'all did an orientation with, what, about half a thousand, what, 600 people. That's earlier that day as people are coming, more people on, on the daily. You know, it just, that's a lot more people than will buy an academic book. And there are some great ones out there. But, you know, you write a book, you put your soul in it, your heart in it, and it basically becomes a conversation between you and a bunch of other smart people. Maybe it's 100 others. Maybe it's 1,000 others. If it's a, if it's 1,500 others or 1,000 others, you had a hell of a successful academic uh, book published, academic press. I mean, people are raving about it. Who's raving about it is other academics. And the whole idea that we frame education in terms of, well, you know, we need to engage in community. The university must come to the community. No, no, the community is the source of the work. The university at best is an extension. It's not going to be top down. It's not going to be outside in. It's inside out. And we are doing that work. I saw a lot of evidence of that Thursday night. So as I said, the curriculum, I like to think that our curriculum hadn't been anything better because it is built on literally centuries, actually millennia, if you think of the way we frame it, of thinking about African thought, to use a phrase from the great Jedi Shemshu Jehudi, uh, the one who speaks as a companion of Jehudi, um, or his uh, his name, uh, birth name, Jacob Hudson Carruthers, uh, to, to borrow from him. You know, we are we are in that deep well. So when you hear those conceptual categories, that is a thematic approach. That is the disciplinary approach. So to ask those six questions, we're constantly ans asking in terms of organizing our inquiry, organizing our reflections and our study on ourselves and the world and the reality we live in, ordering our ideas of who we are to other people, which is the government, a uh, social structure question, 
who we are to each other because there is no we as i was reminded and shout out to the teachers i'm gonna get to them in a minute one of the teachers who's teaching the course was like one of the things that uh, and and i won't i won't i'm gonna call some names of some of the teachers i talked with but you know i'm not gonna ma match some of the comments because again it's a delicate situation we're talking about governance formation uh, on thursday night at six around six six thirty until about 11 o'clock the college board hosted a formal kind of celebration of unveiling of the curriculum that had been unveiled the day before the African-American studies AP course. And all the people who had a hand in it, many of them were there. The, the, the head of the college board, uh, Henry Gates, of course, who um, I think we all knew at some point would appear as a kind of guiding hand. Uh, Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham, of course, another Harvard professor. Um, Randy Waters, the sister, Dr. Waters, who led the led the work. Uh, Steve, of course, as I mentioned, many folks who were there. Uh, the teachers were there from all over the country. I'll get there in a second. But in, in being in that room, immediately you see the social structure, who we are to other people and the governance structure, who we are to each other. And as one of the teachers remarked to me as, as we stand there talking. Um, and I'll, I'll say more about the teachers. Uh, intermittently along the way because this is the people that I've spent uh, a great deal of time with relative to other folk. Um, she was like one of the things I love when you all say is and we think about and we work together studying this there is no we. We have to build that we. We have to do the hard work guided by that question you have us asked through Sonia Sanchez yeah but how do it free us? So that was it was very something to be in that room with social and governance right there which is where it all is. That's why I popped in, because uh, I want to ask a fundamental question. Like, can we depend on social structure infected people who make their living off of the social structure, who have been conditioned to bow to the social structure, to want acceptance from the social structure, to love the social structure, to want <laughs> to want all of the trappings of the social structure who who, uh, you know, move into social structure places and then are shocked when they, you know, get arrested for breaking into their own home. Can we depend on people, Dr. Carr, to to lead this charge for us? I mean, is do, do they have a vested interest? I mean, is, is there isn't there a financial gain for them? So can we can we depend? Because I feel like I feel like and I'm just going to say this openly because I watch, you know, for 400 plus years, we have watched people go to Mass's house on our behalf and come out with golden riches. <laughs> and we're like, where are, where's our freedom? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, you got your freedom. Look at me. I'm free, which means you're free. Let us celebrate. And, and, again, <laughs> like, and I don't even know if it's so inherent, right? Because these are the things that every day I'm like contemplating things that we have to break down in ourselves. You know, when we watch those five people brutalize Tyree Nichols, we know that there's an inherent anti-blackness that has been fomented and encouraged and nourished and fed for so many years that we don't even see it in ourselves. So we have to constantly, and this is again, no shade, because I don't even know if they've asked themselves these questions. 
Oh, I'm sure they, they, they see it as progress. You think they have? You think they absolutely, it? absolutely. I know they a have. conscious decision. Absolutely, yeah. And, and and I don't even think it's a conscious decision that's necessarily malicious. I think, and you know, I say this all the time. You know, you don't think we can win, so you make a deal. You you know what it is. I mean, we, but but you don't think we can win, and so it actually is a very rational decision. When we listen very closely to the language, the language of you know we have to live in the real world, or you know we can't get what we want. This is all what you're saying is different ways. Like Du Bois would say uh, in Souls of Black Folk when we read Souls together, and he says people come in and say, "I, I know a fine Negro man in my town," or uh, "I fought in the Civil War." He said, "What Du Bois is really saying to you is, how does it feel to be a problem?" Well, when people say things like, you know, we have to balance this, they're, they're, we can't get everything we want in this. We have to create a curriculum that is inclusive because there are things we desire. But what they're really saying is we can't win. So we made a deal. And and I think that you need to follow me in making this deal. I mean, anyway, we're going to get into that. But I'm just saying, what is our responsibility? Did it, uh, like, oh, oh, oh that's easy. people here, uh, you know, and clearly they're coming because they're getting something that they're not getting anyplace else, which I'm grateful for because I'm I know I'm getting something I don't get anyplace else. Me too. And it's not just a clean glass of water of community, but it's the it's the way in which we are thinking about ourselves in relationship to what we need to to go. You know, when I think about France abolishing slavery, I'm like. No, 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 we have to free ourselves. I'm, nobody's going to grant us freedom. That's right. Not come. That's right. And that's right. And the material conditions, I mean, to be very clear, you're absolutely right. I mean, and this again, and I'm just thinking about it in the context of curriculum, these political documents. We'll talk about what curriculum is in a moment. The thinking about Africana studies as a discipline does not mean thinking about it in this in the academic sense of a discipline only there are those now talking about this idea beyond disciplinarity or being undisciplined it's very brilliant work and it's also in an echo chamber of about five other people and so people kind of sound smart to each other that's very important but the word discipline itself is a political term in some ways oh man i wish i uh as a linguist that just wrote a book i don't think i have it in here it's probably in the other room yeah, it is. That's too bad. Because he's talking about why language is so much more useful to lawyers than it is to sci for scientists. If scientists are attempting to describe reality, to define reality, and using language, they have to come up with different languages, not just the twenty six characters in in the in the script that we usually use in the English language, and you know, kind of combine the, to, to kind of vote to give some writing written representation of our vocalization, our, our communication, but also the language of mathematics and, you know, equations and different symbol systems, this kind of thing, inscription systems. He says that works so much better for lawyers than scientists. He, that, he's making that distinction because scientists are attempting to reduce perception to some form of communication. This is the thing as it is. This is a book. This is the light. It's daytime. You know, this is a hand. This is a sound. You know what I'm saying? This is gravity. It's kind of, how do you, lawyers are interacting in a social context where human beings are trying to communicate some shared meaning with each other and order our uh, comings and goings accordingly. It's much more, it's much more easy to use language because language is at the, at the, at, the, at its core, a social, a social tool. We communicate in order to build community, express ourselves, this kind of thing. So I'm saying all that to say that when you're talking about curriculum, you're talking about narratives, you're talking about stories, you're talking about making choices. And those choices uh, come with some erasures, forms of erasures. And when we developed the Philadelphia curriculum, 
we had to resolve the tension between the idea that people think that if you talk about black people, that's black studies, which is absolutely patently absurd. This course, this AP course, the way I look at it and have spent my life and will continue to spend my life thinking about it, this is not an Africana studies course. It's labeled African-American studies because the subject matter and those who developed it, including some very brilliant people, no doubt think it's African-American studies because they think about it differently. That's why I wrote an article back in 2011. I think it's posted in narrative. We had to put it even in the notes on YouTube. People can click it. It's called What Black Studies Is Not. A talk I gave at Baruch College back in, I guess that was December 2010. And then I wrote it up and published it in a journal, Socialism and Democracy. What Black Studies Is Not. It's, you know, it's rough. Uh, would I write the same thing today? Yes, in terms of framework, but I would make a lot of adjustments because I've workshopped it over the years with folk, thought about some things. But anyway, the, the, the sum is this. Africana studies is a discipline the way we think about it because you have to order inquiry. Disciplines order your search for knowledge. And to order your search for knowledge, you have to have make some assumptions about the world and yourself and how you're going to do that. So those conceptual categories are not straitjackets. They're just categories to order knowledge. So we all exist in social structures. The reason why the, the social concept of social structure now kind of easily kind of blends and commingles most easily with the question of race and class in a racialized world system is because we, over the last five centuries or so, are living in a global social structure, a modern world system that at its heart has capitalism, racism, militarism, sexism, these isms that congeal out of a moment of settler colonialism, whether it be because of the circumstances, geographical circumstances, cultural circumstances, been a lot written about that coming out of Western Eurasia or what we call Europe. Well, that's why when we think social structure, we automatically think white in the United States. But a social structure is simply a question asking, uh, you know, what is the structure that the people we are studying and the things they're doing and thinking and the arguments they're having? What is the social structure they're doing that in? The reason we reduce it to who are Africans to other people is because the structure that we live in in the modern world has been so deeply informed slash skewered by a small sliver of humanity who through force and circumstance have been able to kind of frame how the rest of us move through the world. So the social structure becomes in that moment a convenient shorthand question. And as we know, if you take an Africana studies course in Nubia, or ever taken it from me, certainly since 2007, when we began to apply this framework, you know that African people at the origin of humanity, any social structure we found ourselves in was one of our own creation. By, in contrast, the governance category asks the question, who are we to each other? Not who are we as all black people think alike? No. Uh, on Thursday night, my friend, Professor Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham, again, Harvard University, History Department, African-American Studies Department, uh, past, immediate past president of the Association for the Study of Afro-American Life and History, Carter G. Woodson's organization. Her father, Albert Brooks, as you've heard me say many times, in fact, I showed you all during the deep pandemic, the copy of the journal, uh, a Negro History Bulletin published by Sala, which had uh, her father, Albert Brooks, his picture on it after he made transition. Brooks took over the Negro History Bulletin. He was working with the bulletin and then began to edit it, be the editor, you know, in the wake of the passing, the transition of Carter Woodson in April 1950. Uh, so she comes from a long line. If you read her book, Righteous Discontent about black church women in the 19th century, 
uh, her. She's edited a number of volumes, co-edited Black Women in America. Just, just an incredible historian. That she said Thursday night, you know, from the stage, she was there, you know, talking about this AP course that she upshaped. She was like, you know, this course allows us to explore the reality that Black people are not monolithic. We are not monolithic. And people are like, yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, that is not a revelation. Uh, Greg Carr is not monolithic. <laughs> I'm going to say some things today I probably would disagree with later in, in my mind. But in other words, none of us are monolithic. But the idea that the Black community is not, not monolithic is driven by an attempt by the social structures we find ourselves in to reduce us to a monolith. So we think we should have some expectations from uh, someone when they show up, whether it be Tim Scott or Ben Crump, whether it be um, uh, Joseph Mobutu or Patrice Lumumba, whether it be uh, Ed Reed or Nina Simone. When we see you, we try to populate your physical appearance with some form of assumption about who you are and what you've done, because the modern world has grouped us by phenotype. But then the course corrective is too often imposed on us from outside. This is the work of, among others, France Fanon, who they say was taken and one of the people taken out of the curriculum. Ain't nobody taken out of the curriculum. We're going to get there in terms of the AP course. Uh, realizing the AP course exists on the periphery because this is the work we're doing. We'll get there in a minute. The idea that we are, to, to quote from Fanon, and also thinking about Ami Césaire and so many you know others, we are overdetermined from without. The famous phrase uh, from Fanon that people borrow and put on T-shirts. You know, as a white man comes, he sees somebody of African descent. Look, a Negro. Look, a Negro. What does that mean? That means I am overdetermining you from without. But when you begin to internalize that, you start thinking all oh, black people think alike. You've now abandoned the project of being in the world that allows us to be our full selves and make communal co commitments based on our experiences, based on what we want to do. But that race thing lumps us together. Remember, we went page by page through the souls of black folk. Du Bois is doing this as well. You know, um, Double consciousness, the whole concept that people seize upon with, on Du Bois, which is important, but my God, can we let give it a rest? But I understand why people want to grapple with double consciousness, because many of them are cultural schizophrenics, which is what for years I used to call double consciousness cultural schizophrenia, because I would focus on the one dark body, not on the two warring souls. Because remember, Du Bois says you got these two warring souls. You got this whiteness that we are forced to learn, this Americanness that we are forced to be and operate in. And then you got this Negroness, this Blackness, where we are also uh, there, grappling with our experiences, grappling with the contradictions. And he says, the only thing that keeps us from going completely crazy or from tearing us apart, to use his language, is this one dark body. Well, I'm, I, I'm concentrating on the one dark body because those two other things are not co-equal. Who we are, who we are, our ways of knowing, our use of science and technology, our movement and memory, our cultural meaning making, who we are, and all those beautifully contradictory, complex, continuous kind of ways of knowing and being and, and creating, all those things feed into our governance formations, how we govern ourselves with each other, who we are to each other. And that to me is that one dark body. It's dark body, it's Negro, it's black because a social structure in the recent centuries have inscribed that on us. Look, a Negro, overdetermined from without. But within that formation, there are, to borrow from Sheikh Antijope and so many others, cultural continuities, cultural similarities, which can be used. Remember last uh, Monday, 
we continued our conversation uh, in framing question uh, three in our in, in our in our rubric in our in our African states course. But prior to that, when we were talking about the question of governance uh, a couple of months ago, we pulled from Walter Rodney, the groundings with my brother, chapter four, African history and culture, where Walter Rodney says, yes, we were made black by this overdetermination from without to borrow from Fanon. He doesn't quote Fanon, but I'm quoting here in this in this regard. He said they made us black in terms of a, a demographic, a category for purposes of exploiting our labor. But we can use black and should use black. This is Rodney's point. It's almost a materialist point, quite frankly, although he talks about spirituality, too. It's going to get a little messy. I'm tired this to the curriculum in a minute. We should use that as a political tool because we have something to say to the world. In fact, we have always had something to say to the world. In fact, as the Romans would say, out of Africa, always something new. In fact, when you look at the contributions, and Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham said this on Thursday night, uh, Professor Higginbotham, Dr. Higginbotham, she said, you know, often when you travel around the world and you talk about the United States and what people like about the United States, so much of it is, in fact, she said, it's always something that Black people did or derived from something Black people did. Now, you know, I don't know if I would go that far, but I would say I would probably walk damn near all the way with Evelyn on that. Thinking about the indigenous people. I'm thinking about people who fought their way into whiteness and contributed their cultures. But the but the foundation of how they were able to contribute their culture, the improvisational foundation, the kind of ability to accept people as they are and take that culture and blend it with other things. Yeah, I would say that is a very, very, very uh, African, to use the word very broadly, African sensibility in terms of cultural meaning making, for sure. And of course, that's the irony of what lies at the heart of so much of social structure, U.S. social structure, capitalist social structure, funded, supported, um, abetted, required narrations of Africa in the United States. In other words, what we want from you is the African contribution to our structure. So we want to know the black roots of now of country music. We want to know the black roots of rock and roll. We want to know why. Because we own all the record companies that make the most money. So therefore, the contribution doesn't, doesn't renegotiate the hierarchy, doesn't abolish the hierarchy. It, it reinforces it. And because we let you talk, you know, speak your speech, so to speak, to borrow from uh, one of our... Uh, uh, kind of presences in the contemporary world to to allow you to do that let you continue to be in our system and we can continue to extract from you it's a lot of extraction motifs in the ap african-american studies course but there's a lot of resistance too including stuff being name resistance but if you don't have let me i'm gonna tie some things together and continue when you build a curriculum you're gonna have a thematic valence. You're going to have a framework. The argument at the onset of this, when hundreds of scholars convene and teachers and folk, you know, debate is going to be the debate in this course, even, or we thought it was a debate because see, you can never be sure in a decision-making process like this with that much money to your point, Professor Hunter, at stake and that much investment in stake as to when you really are shaping something or where, or where you've been invited into a conversation where the shape has kind of been made, but people can't afford not to have you at the table at some point in the process, because at some point they want everybody to say we all have some input. And then you see the final thing and say this don't look different than any curriculum that has been written before in terms of the framework. The debate is how do you debate? How do you organize around themes when you're talking about Africana or anything else? And then how do you organize around the journey through time and space? What some people might call chron chronology. You know, on Thursday night, there was a conversation 
by the folk at AP who designed the course and uh, about, you know, having a chronological framework to this course that allows you to go backward and forward at the same time. And that's absolutely true. But the narrative choices in terms of backward and forward are always framed with how far back are you going? What's the relationship between past, present and future? And based on the documents you've created and the questions you've raised and the framework you've generated, have you really incarcerated us with a gesture toward Africa, notwithstanding, in that 500 year room? In other words, is Africana studies, is African-American studies about race and defeating race? Well, yes, in part it is, but that's not the foundation of it. I'll come back in a minute because we'll talk about the critics of this curriculum. I'm not a critic. I didn't expect this course. From the first time I turned on this computer and sat in a Zoom, one of many, over many hours, over months with colleagues from around the country, I didn't expect this course to be an Africana Studies course. I talked a little bit about our cultural framework and our, you know, our conceptual category framework and the framing questions that uh, that guide it because I thought that it was important to contribute that. I was contributing it because it was a good faith conversation. I'm glad I did. I was also contributing it as a, a bit of a test. Let's see how far you want to go. Knowing that I'm not the only one who thinks like this, but also knowing, having spent, in fact, I think April will mark 25 years since I defended my dissertation, which we're going to talk about a little bit in the context of this over the course of this month. I think maybe some of it today, which was on African philosophy of history in the contemporary era, its classical roots its roots coming up into this 500 year room. And then the last two centuries, the last century in particular, as it relates to this, this intellectual warfare to borrow from Jacob Carruthers. But yeah, I contributed to the conceptual category and, and, and framing question uh, kind of framing because I thought it was important to bear witness and it needs to go in the record. But I didn't expect that to be at all the spine of the AP African-American studies course sponsored by the college board and funders and all this kind of thing. I wouldn't expect that. That would be absurd. You know, the short answer to the question you raised, Prof, as to who we can look to and who can expect to and should we expect a social structure that has created race and generated this and has received us as racial beings in a racialized world in which whiteness is at the center. Should we look to them for, you know, the way out? The answer to that is an unqualified no. Of course not. But we're in that system. So we engage in what Jacob Cruz would call intellectual warfare. So we think that the question of do you approach the study of Africana through themes or do you approach it just through the journey of African people across time and space, chronology? You do both. You have to do both. This curriculum does both, but it does it differently than ours because ours at the core does two things. It presumes that African people are the authority, not African people who are academics over African people who are just in the world. In fact, African people who are just in the world are the authorities. The ordering to that contributed by those of us who through purchase of time by those people who are in the world, our parents, our communities, those who continue to support us, particularly in black institutions. You know, we have time to think about it and maybe create some categories that will help us all think about it. Categories, very importantly, that must not feel strange to people who are the core of that process because our ultimate goal is to jailbreak it all, is to destroy it all. And by destroy, I mean renegotiate it all, these hierarchies. So instead of saying epistemology or philosophy or religion, we say ways of knowing. 
Instead of saying political economy or world systems, we say social structures. Instead of indigenous uh, formations and, but no, we say governance. Instead of uh, inscription systems and ways of creating meaning making, no, mm -mm, cultural meaning making. Instead of saying historiography or, you know, memory work or wake work, no, 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 movement and memory. In other words, you got to have points of entry where folk can see themselves and then through seeing themselves ground whatever conversations we have and whatever work we do with that overarching question. Yeah. But how do we free us now? How do we free me with the consultant contract or, the, you know, the credit in the book or what? No. How do we free all of us? That has to be driven by being able to do this work collectively and to do this work collectively. We got to put it in a place and in a language and in a way that allows inclusion, not exclusion. All right. So now let me pause because some of the things I've said so far, I'm going to come back to. And before I say anything else, as we started, thanking everybody, all the people, uh, the, the occasion for this first Saturday in February is, of course, the unveiling of the Advanced Placement African-American Studies course. This, as I showed you all, and now I'm comfortable in showing you more. This was the pilot course. This is the one that's being taught in the schools. It was taught this fall and now this spring. Wait, I just um I'm sorry. Who is this for? Who this? So, yeah, AP, yeah, like is it okay, are all the students going to be oh, my friend? It's it advanced placement. Like it's so is this for everybody? My friend, my Hi. dear colleague, I love you so much. Of course it's not. And of course it is. This is the challenge. This is the social structure governance structure question. In fact, let me clean that. Thank you, Prof. Let me take 60 seconds and clean this up. The debate at the onset of developing this course, everybody coming together, arguing, are we going to have themes? Or are we going to go through time and space straight? Well, if you just go through time and space straight, you got an AP African-American history course. When they came to us in Philadelphia and said, every student who graduates from a Philadelphia public school has taken an African-American history course. It's a 40-year struggle. They got it. They called me and said, will you, you know, help lead the team to put the curriculum framework together? I said, with pleasure. At the onset, I'm telling you, I'm, we are not going to write an African-American history course. I am not a historian. Now, I can talk to every historian there is, but I'm not a historian. My training deliberately, I made a choice, was in Africana studies. If it's going to be a discipline, somebody got out there and make it one. And so we came together with Africana studies scholars for the most part, and we created a framework. And the and the title of that framework is Lessons in Africana Studies. I think we have a PDF of it actually in narrative in the in the archive. If not, I'll, I'll put it in there. But anyway, I just went to I just said that to say this: when the AP course at the onset. I don't know the conversations that were had before it was opened up to the people to come and deliberate and try to build, because I always assume by the time you come in the room, there were meetings before that. There's nobody here. This Gates is not an African-American studies. He wasn't trained in African studies. Ellen Brooks Higginbotham wasn't either. Why? Because it, it, it didn't exist. Uh, uh, Gates is in literature, not even black literature. His PhD anyway. Professor uh, Higginbotham is in history. Now, this leads to the idea, now, Dr. Waters, Brandy Waters has a PhD in African States, but they will say that it is interdisciplinary. I absolutely categorically reject that. Absolutely. But I understand they have to say that because at the time many of them were getting PhDs, there were no, there was no Black Studies programs to give a PhD. 
That's why I went to Temple. With all of its contradictions, all of its problems, at least you get the license. And why do you go to graduate school? You go so you can purchase your time and read and study and think. And you go, some people think they're going to liberate black people, but trust me, you walk past the people mopping the floors in the very building, you're walking past them on the way to your dissertation defense. And if you don't know their name, then you've already told us what you think about because you actually, but you're going in there to defend a dissertation where you're writing about them. I'm writing about black labor and you just passed a whole bunch of black and brown labor on the way to the damn room to defend your dissertation. So we understand the class nature of these spaces. But I'm saying all that to say that I made a very deliberate choice because what these spaces are is basically spaces for licensure. There's spaces so you can show up and say the magic word, PhD, JD, whatever, and they let you in a room where you can spend your time doing what I do every day, all day thinking and studying and reading and listening. And then, uh, then my time was purchased by my parents and their parents, by the people in the street, by all of us. And that purchase of time comes with an expectation. We bought your time, boy. Now, how do it free us? This is the work. Now, I assume that it's the same sensibility for most of the people who worked on this course. So when they came together to talk about themes and chronology, they developed themes too but they're not the conceptual categories, which are designed to cross time and space and give us space to think about ourselves, who we are to each other, who we can be to each other, who we aren't to each other, and who we are to other people, other structures, other formations, which have been oppressive over the last five centuries in particular. The chronology then, the second part of our course in 2007 was the, and is the framing questions. The framing questions then allow us to move through time and space. And with each framing question, whether we're in the 19th century BC or the 19th century so-called AD, whether we're in 2000 BC or 2000 AD, whether we're in 500 BC or 500 AD, whether we're in 2023 AD or 2023 BC, we ask those same six conceptual category questions. And that yields our study of ourselves, which can help us as we problem solve in the moment. Well, the AP course, it's designed to stimulate thinking. It's also designed to introduce people to content, all the things any curriculum does. And its thematic structure is organized here in four units. You see those four units? Origin of the African diaspora, freedom, enslavement, and resistance, the practice of freedom, movement, and debate. Four units. I like that language. I like to think I was one of, of hundreds at one level in this half dozen when it got closer to now who made sure this point was driven home do not engage in deficit framing of african experiences so instead of saying slavery you say enslavement and don't start with slavery i made this point i know many times in the conversation i said you know john o franklin all respect in the world shook his hand talked with him several times had conversations with your brother thanked him for his life of work John Franklin, born in 1915, same year as Rosa Parks, made transition uh, back in uh, the early 2000s. And, you know, just, I mean, beautiful brother. His 1947 book, From Slavery to Freedom, now in its 10th edition. Uh, yeah, that title got to go, bro. Why? From Slavery to Freedom? I said, why can't we just have a book called From Freedom? Dot, dot, dot. Ellipsis. From Freedom. In here, it doesn't say slavery and resistance. It says unit two, freedom, enslavement, and resistance. And shout out to the teachers. I'm going to mention them again in a second. Because over and over again Thursday night, sitting there with teachers. And in fact, let me just pause here and, and, and name a few, just a handful of them who were there. I was coming in the museum. 
we were in line to go in and I ran into my friend, uh, Nelva Williamson from Houston. She teaches AP. She taught the course that Houston is teaching the course now. Her entire small school of about a little over 800 people, all are AP students. So they can all take it. And she was standing there talking to uh, my man, Emmett Glenn from Baton Rouge High School in Louisiana. He and his wife were there. Um, so sitting there talking with Nelva and, 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 and Emmett as I was walking in, you know, I was asking them about their experiences because that's what I'm doing. I, you know, I, I know most of the people involved in this process, at least at the senior level. And, you know, and some of the people involved, my former students. It's always interesting when you walk in a room and you see former students who are placed places and people don't know who you know, who you don't know. Right. But the teachers who I'm hanging out with. Oh, my God, because we are fellow craft. I teach in a university. I have taught K-12. I've designed programs K-12. I taught a community college, you know, all that. But these K-12 teachers, these high school teachers, these are my colleagues. You understand? Some of y'all are here right now. So, you know, talking to Nelva and Emmett, getting that sense, they said, unit two is where our students really are. You know, we had to spend more time. I'll, talk, I'll walk through the curriculum in a minute in terms of how that how that is processed as well. Later in the evening, there's this core young brothers. I love these cats, man. You know, first time I got to meet everybody is when Mario Beatty, Dr. Beatty and I were at this, uh, spoke to the student, uh, to the teachers at the first teacher training workshop they had last summer, y'all remember. And after that, you know, I'm getting phone numbers, emails, exchanges, you know, because these, hey, we fellow craft now. And you know me, I'm going to come in there and talk about the war. I mean, I, I started my remarks with, let me be very clear. Most of our children are not going to go to AP. To answer your question, Prof, as we know, I said, you know, this is a very bourgeois elite practice right here we engaged in. But I know most of y'all teach black children, which means you ain't even teaching all AP students, maybe not even most AP students. You've been recruited because of your talent, because you represent black people, and you have now been injected in a political process. I said, I've spent my entire life rejecting that political process, rejecting the hierarchy. The hierarchy be damned. They had like three bars of liquor in the museum uh, Thursday night. And that ain't the first time I've been there and I like that. It's very nice. I mean, it's very, you know, everybody dressed up, you know, it's very nice. And I, and I ain't mad. I mean, because, you know, our people sacrificed. I'm sure our ancestors would love to have been in there. They probably have been serving and it wouldn't have been no museum for us. But at least we're in there and you see the contradictions. You see the stuff. But we black. This is what it means to be black. In the whole time, I'm thinking about Ralph Ellison and I'm thinking about Albert Murray. And I'm thinking about Ishmael Reed, particularly his novel Mumbo Jumbo. And I'm just like, man, this is like this is really wow. And then I see my young cats, these young boys who are teaching. I say young, younger than me. The brother from Oregon, he and his wife were there. He's a cat in their 30s. You know, and you know, I, I had on regular clothes. In other words, what some people call African clothes, right? Because I'm not going to tie a string around my neck anyway. But and haven't in years. But it was one other brother I saw among the teachers who had on straight African clothes, and he had a nice dashiki on. A young cat, a decor. Oh, what's going on now? You know, black people get loud now. This crowd was was racially uh, cosmopolitan. Let's call it. And so I didn't do a demographic search, but I mean, there were hundreds of people there. I would say if it would, it had to be at least a third white because of the people from college board. There. I mean, this is a moment where they don't get to experience this. All these Negroes in here, you know, it's a lot of muckety mucks in there, so to speak. You know, a lot of people. It was just wonderful. I saw my man, Dave Canton. We went to grad school together at Ohio State. David Canton is the chair of African American Studies at the University of Florida. So I got a real time report about what's going on down there from my man, Dave Canton. And of course, we loud. <laughs> we loud as hell. Wow, what's going on, man? People like, hmm? And I'm like, ignore them. This governance conversation we have right now, the social structure can't get down. It's all good. I ain't mad at them. 
because you're not the center of this conversation. They confirm what I heard from Emmett and Nelva. They confirm what I heard um, from a man, uh, Greg, from who teaches at Cass Tech in Detroit. They confirm what I heard from my man, Darren Williams in Tulsa, who's teaching an AP course in Tulsa. Oh, we had a good time. Section two of the course, Freedom, Enslavement, and Resistance, is the section which is pushing past where they're supposed to teach it in a planning and scheduling timeline. It took us more. One young brother was like, man, the cat with the dashi. He said, hey, man, Dr. Carr, I had to devote three class sessions to the Maroons. The young people didn't want to go past the Maroons. Them cats in, in Mobile, those people in Baton Rouge, the course, these young people are coming and say, Maroons? Were they Maroons in Baton Rouge? Were they Maroons in Baton Rouge? Let me tell you about Point Coupe. That ain't in the book, but it's in the teacher's head. See, the, between the curriculum and the student is the teacher. This is why teachers matter. Sharif el know that. You know, at the Center for Black Educator Development. You know, Asheray Hines and, and Stephanie Tisdale and, and Shana Terrell and all the folks at the Center for Black Education. And they're not the only ones who learn and know that. They know that because their parents knew that, because master teachers for two centuries know that. You know, between the curriculum and the student is the teacher. And when you close the door, AP ain't in your room. College board, not in your room. Now, yes, the curriculum is going to be driven by the assessments. And assessment will drive instruction. What's on the test? But you've also, they've also baked in a reserve category in this course. For anything the young people want to talk about, that is the final project. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm saying all this as is, is a kind of backdrop because, one, I wanted to shout out some of those teachers. So not just Nelva out of Houston, not just Jackie Starworth out of Mobile, not just Emmett out of uh, Emmett Glenn out of Baton Rouge High School, who also teaches over at Southern University. So we talked a lot about what will happen when students transfer an AP course credit of four or five and go to school and don't take, will they take the African-American studies course at the college? That's one of my concerns. And one of Dr. Beatty's concerns, he raised it first, in fact. And Emmett, who teaches at an HBCU Southern and teaches at Baton Rouge High School, is like, you know, it's an interesting thing. We're having that conversation. It's not administrators, it's classroom teachers. It's two classroom teachers talking. Because everybody might not have Miss Williamson. Everybody may not have Miss Henderson. Everybody, you know, uh, Shana Henderson, who's in New York, Brooklyn Prep, vice principal of the school and teaching the AP course. Shout out where Brooklyn at. Brooklyn was in the house Thursday night. We having governance conversations. So they may not show up at Howard or Spelman. They may not show up at Tennessee State or Grambling with the desire to take the same, they what they think is the same course they took in high school. This may be a challenge. They may not come from, uh, uh, from um, Tulsa, as Darren would say, or Malcolm Reed, my man, who also uh, works as a coach. So he was giving me some insight, giving us insight as we sitting around ciphering. It's us in the cipher. They, you know, drinks, uh, drinks is being poured and people laughing and talking. The teachers, we clustered up in balls and they did just, you know, workshopping. Then they let us loose through the museum. So we down in the basement, basically in the corner, not only roasting Thomas Jefferson, that's a story for another day. Why the hell Thomas Jefferson got a statue here? You got two black women, Mom Bet and Phyllis Wheatley facing the wall. We got to rewrite some of this narrative. We, we in there behind God's back having governance conversations, right? So, you know, when Malcolm, who's a coach in Baton Rouge, is raising these questions about how the, the, the difficulties of jailbreaking AP, because he said, you know, I got a young brother in my class, and there were very few young brothers in his class. I think it was only one in this particular section of AP he was talking about. And he said, you know, we get to a point, and he's asking me questions, and we're talking in class, and he says, coach. And he said the question the brother asked, and I said, see, right there, though, you see 
why that respect is there. He said, yeah, because I'm also the coach. Exactly. See, we think coach, we think athletics, but you also got to think teachers. And in many of our schools, the coach is the black male figure or the black female figure, because he talked about some young sisters who are also in the, the building. He says, these are authority figures to some of the student athletes. And so we talked about what it meant to be a coach teaching an AP course. And you got young brothers and sisters in that building who may or may not be an AP, but who respect him because he's a coach, which leads me to the question you raised, Prof, which is this is an AP course. It's a it, it's a it's a guard, it's a guardrail course. It's a it's an invisible wire stretched across the class course. And you run and then your head got cut off because you're not an AP. So you don't have the weighted GPA. You don't have the uh, four or five you can transfer in. But AP is available to any student who wants to take it if that class is offered in your school. Now, in the case of uh, Nelva Williamson in Houston, her, her whole school is AP. But here raises the issue I want to raise. And then I'll get back to the curriculum, which I really haven't left. As you could expect, as I suspect the college board would like. Prof, let me just ask you, I'll ask you this in the form of a question. Let's say that Karen Hunter and Greg Carr are in a high school in Portland, Oregon. And we, on our lunch break, we go across the street to fast food. We sit there talking. And our friend Charles is in the AP Aftermath History course, dropping science on all this stuff he learned. Next semester, what might Karen and Greg want? To take the class. Exactly. So one of the conversations we were having is, and I asked him, I said, so what's been the impact? He said, like these cats saying, you know, a lot of teachers are saying, we got other students who are saying, damn, really? I'm going to take class. So now we got a challenge because to get that class, they're going to hire more teachers and they got to be the teachers who can teach this class. It's cool when you got the, the frontline warriors, the master teachers, but now you got to expand. If you've made that decision, these are decisions about budget. I'm sure College Board has its own concept of jailbreak. Inserting this AP African-American history course is going to, if nature takes its course, attract so much desire that these students gonna wanna take the class. And the class, even though there's a curriculum, is shaped in large measure by the people taking the class. It's gonna take on the local contour. And if you got a teacher who knows world history, if you got a teacher like Emmett Glenn at Baton Rouge High School, who also teaches at Southern, which was the department that my good friend and comrade, now ancestor Troy Allen, we went to grad school together, taught in, they know world history and they know world history in a way that ain't in the AP world history class. When we designed the Philadelphia course, our question was, you know, why do we need even this course at the AP level? Because we were talking AP even then and also getting items on the SAT and the ACT, the real gangsters in the testing world, educational testing service, ETS, story for another day. We said, can we get prompts in there that would drive instruction because assessment drives instruction? How you gonna have a world history class with Europe at the center? If you're talking about world history, that whole course got to be collapsed and written from scratch. If you're interested in something other than Europe's experiences in the world, which is how John Clark talks about the idea of world history from a European lens. How are you going to have AP American history class? Can you write an AP American history class? Of course you can. Can it tell everybody's story? Of course you, of course it can. You can't do it. There's no American. The young sister who's saying lift every voice and sing. Thursday night. Steve introduced her. She got up. Lift every voice. Of course, we all stood up. I mean, everybody stood up. In the back, some of us singing. We're along with her. Why? Because lift every voice and sing is not to be performed. Lift every voice and sing is a hymn. When you hear it, everybody sings. She sang all three verses. And you know, I'm from the old school, the old black power school. You know, Jacob Corrales at the end, when you get to that third voice, that third verse, 
God of our weary years, God of our one, two, three, four, five, six, six, eight. Mm. The tempo mm, 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 wasn't the same on Thursday night. It was more performance, but still at the end, shadow beneath thy hand. Comedic Institute of Chicago, they put their arms straight up with the hand open. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. So my hand is out the whole time. And when we say true to our God, true to our native land, one guess as to whether or not that's the United States of America. But Johnson Brothers did it perfectly. You can say native land in your mind. You can say whatever. I'm having a governance formation. I'm my native land. I don't mean the red, white, and blue. And the young sister, beautiful dress, she killed it all up in the higher register. At the end, at the very end, she went like this. <laughs> I saw you. You know, you get a little sideways fist. What's that boy? You wear the, we used to wear the blue vest all the time. We don't hear from him no more. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it. Yeah, you know how D-Ray used to make that little fist kind of like, you know, kind of, no. So she she did a little light with, it was like, I see you. Governance, who are we to each other? Not, and in fact, later on, I was standing talking to a brother who's a lawyer in Florida, actually. There were some lawyers there and workshopping how a legal challenge to DeSantis and them might be. Because Dave was saying, I asked Dave, I said, hey, Dave, y'all little pufferfish, uh, pufferfish slave master trying to make you engage in a McCarthy move, right? You got to report to him who's teaching race stuff and equity stuff. He's like, yeah, bro, you know, we're going to see what it is. Why? Because the courts have said, Florida, the Department of Education, asking for those numbers and those people have not yet enforced, try to enforce the stop will act. The, the question of whether or not they will enforce it will come in if they try to fire somebody or if they mm -hmm. try to somehow, you know, and at that point, they trigger the injunction, which is already in place in Florida. See, the lawyers already had the injunction. You know, we stand in there. I'm talking law with this one brother who's a lawyer. We stand there and say, so, so how would this map out? Because remember, the NBCP went to court, you know, Ben Crump threatening to sue. So I'm talking, this brother knows Crump. So we stand there talking and say, okay, so we got a First Amendment issue. Yeah. And I said, uh, so how y'all going to approach it if they try to block the AP class? So we talking. And he says, well, you know, uh, the students won't have access to the course. I said, now, if you're a student, take this course and you score five on the exam, want to transfer your credit or you got a weighted GPA and they don't give you the credit for it or you can't get the class because you wanted to take classes it's not being offered. I said, that's a 14th Amendment issue. And he said, yes, yeah, it's, it's an equal protection issue. We're workshopping it and we come to a consensus. They can't block this course. That's, that's for the newspapers, as you say, Prof. That's the, they, they, can't, they can't block it in court. And DeSantis knows that. Right. It's all performative. Um, just back up for a second. When did you learn to put the power black power fist up? Where, was there um, a meeting? No, 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 no. In fact, the open <laughs> hand to the fist. Is, yeah, when does that information get disseminated? Nah, well, I, mean, now, I, I, I tell you when it gets disseminated today to probably if our form uh, holds somewhere between uh, thirty and fifty thousand people over the week, and then so many more by false multipliers of people who talk, including many of the teachers who are teaching the AP class say less. It's actually just disseminated today. <laughs> but but where I learned the hand to the fist, oh yeah, that's absolutely Jacob Carruthers and Efe Carruthers and Larry Crow and them. That's the Comedic Institute of Chicago. And in fact, I want to say one of the first times, if not the first time I saw that was when we were standing at the grave of Martin Delaney singing the anthem. They do it like this. But the Black Power Fist, oh no, that goes back to Tennessee State. In fact, 
uh, it's not unusual to see the fist at HBCUs. And in fact, when I first came to work at Howard in the fall of 2000, one of the first speakers I saw was John Hope Franklin, who spoke, I want to say it was Charter Day. It may have been Open Convocation, which would have been September 2000. Um, or if it was Charter Day, it was March 2020. Uh, no, Mar March 2001. But at any rate, uh, you know, at a lot of HBCUs, they play that Star Spangled Banner. And I've never, I don't stand for the Star Spangled Banner. My feet and knees don't work to stand up for that bullshit. But I ain't, ain't got to take a knee. Anybody got to demand out, but I'm not getting up. And no, I ain't no, taking no. off my... I was just going to say another great documentary, Stand. Yes! Oh, my goodness. Uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who I also I talked with this week. And Did you talk with him? Yes. My, da my daddy used to love him some Chris Jackson. Boy, Chris Jackson was the man. Freshman, him and Shaquille. Shaquille O'Neal says to this day, y'all talking about Steph Curry, the best shooter I ever played with was Chris Jackson, my Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Isaiah Thomas said the same thing. Y'all think y'all talking about Damian Lillard? You done forgot Mahmoud. They they destroyed Mahmoud abdul Oh, So I'm sure they talk about that in the documentary, huh? Oh, they burned his house down. So they, so the, they burned his house down for making a stand, a religious stand. Right, the man trying to, he just praying, he's standing there praying. Praying with his hands to God, burned his house down, destroyed his career. And when you think about where he came from, you know, the, the, mm. in this documentary, his mother's in it. And, you know, he, he didn't know who his father was. So he, when he goes to, um, I think it's Mississippi State, they're like, who's your daddy? That's the oh, chance. Oh, you, oh, you mean when they were playing? They were playing. Yeah, oh, yes, Clarkville, them motherfuckers. Mm, mm, daddy. I'm your daddy. Right. So he commenced to dropping like 50 points on them. But no the, question. The sad thing no. is, you know, there's still this in his eyes. And I mean, he was very emotional about talking about losing everything. And he said, you know, for us, those first generation basketball players, that money fed a whole community. No question. You know, not just your mother and your, no you like question. the whole community. You, whole community. if you were a certain kind of person, you feed the whole community with that little bit of coin. And he wasn't making a hundred millions that they're making now. No. And, and please, thought, and please understand all you social structure commentators. When you start talking about posses, no, you don't. In governance, if I get on, we get on. Y'all trying to, this is why you got all those people around him. It's a posse. Nah, you just shut up. You best be quiet because you don't even know what this is. Oh, oh. But, uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, this this country and mm. even having this discussion around, you know, curriculum, you know, because it's all still about indoctrination on some level. And they're making little concessions because they don't really have too many choices, but the choices are still not rooted in our freedom. So I think about this man who lost everything. He said he was at, at coming out of uh, the gym because it was the only place he could go. You know, so he has still has Tourette's and he, where he could find some solace. And he's driving a, a car that he's renting because he lost his car. And the man was like, oh, I see you. You live in modest. You got all the millions. And he was like, I didn't have a heart to tell the brother. I have nothing. I'm penniless right now. And I'm renting this car just because it's all I can do. And he said it was so humiliating. Mm. you can play you know like the the basketball court became his daddy you know like he yeah. said in absence of my father i poured everything into this thing this sport and to have it taken away for his beliefs and again we all struggle in this country to 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 not have them take things away from us i think this is why you know i, I bring this up often you know we have people as proxies for us but they're really just preserving their own commerce in their place in this in this thing at our expense no right? question 
So we no and, 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 and claiming they doing it for us. Yeah. So we got to be even more vigilant when that's they right. pick somebody. We must reject them, and that's how I feel. Oh, y'all pick them. Well, I'm with that's you. Your, that's your pick me, Negro. We're gonna widely reject them. You're not gonna force them on us. No that question. means you picked them for a purpose. Right. You've given them that money for a purpose. You've selected them for a purpose, and right. for our freedom. So I'm just, you know, I'm I'm Mahmoud Abdul Rauf all day long, and I, you know, I'm I'm glad this documentary is coming out, but it can't restore his career, and nope. he would have been bigger than Steph Curry. Yeah, you know, we talking about Steph, and Steph Curry is in the documentary. Oh no, Steph Curry is the man. Yeah, his yeah. father Dale Curry, his grandfather HBCU, going back to North Carolina. That's where Earl of Pearl Monroe and them boys went to Salem State, North Carolina Central. Yeah, that, even Steph Curry, Davidson, sure, but go back to Dale and go back to his father. That's CIAA basketball. Steph Curry comes out the bloodlines of Africana and governance and HBCU basketball. So yeah. Yeah, no shade to step no, no, out. No, or he's, he's in the documentary. Uh, talking, oh, about, wow. talking about the power of 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 how you know he's standing on the shoulders of this of this little guy who a little guy, yeah. Everything. So I just I just wanted to just drop in as you were saying. Well, that. no, no, this is very important, prop, because actually this ties very well with the AP course. Because if you are a teacher in that course, this is a this is a many curriculum a framework. This isn't a planning and scheduling timeline. I'll make the distinction in a minute. You could bring up this course. You could bring that documentary in and show that documentary. A student could choose to do their final project in the AP framework on Mahmoud Abdul Raouf when he became that, when he changed his name from Chris Jackson to Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, when he decided to, you know, in turn, when they play the national anthem, I'm going to pray. The backlash from him, all of that can be in the required, the mandatory AP African American Studies final project. You're required to take the AP exam, which they're workshopping. There'll be a pilot administered at the end of this uh, in May, this semester. There'll be another one next uh, May, and then they'll go into the full scale offered everywhere in the country. But there's also required final project. That final project will be scored the way all AP projects are scored by a group of teachers. They'll convene. You can apply to become an AP grader, this kind of thing. But there are strict instructions, and it's in the curriculum, that the graders cannot grade up or down based on the on the subject selected by the teacher, by the student. And the student doesn't have to pick a subject that the teacher told them. The student can pick a subject from literally any line in the curriculum or something that wasn't mentioned in the curriculum. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf is not in this curriculum, either draft, but he is in the form of, if you want to talk about him, if you got the right teacher, or you, or you saw the documentary came and said to your teacher, I want to do this for my final project. The answer is yes. And the graders can't use the subject up or down. All they are grading for is, did you use sources? Did you do a correct citation form? Is this the, are the arguments clean? Do you follow a process? And, uh, and none of that is in this curriculum. See, that's the hard work. People don't understand. Curric Let me not say people don't understand. If you're not a teacher, you may not be aware that when we say curriculum, we're often thinking about everything is there. No, no. How do you teach a, a student who has had challenges in math to learn math? How do you teach a student uh, who has had challenges reading to read? How do you teach a student who's never introdu introduced to how to use an archive or how to deal with material culture in terms of primary sources? How do you teach them gay? You can write all kinds of sentences, interpret, analyze. Make, okay, well, how do I analyze? Well, uh, you, you're a teacher, right? You did go to school. Okay, that's when... See, I don't call them professional developments. I call them meetings of teachers. I'm a teacher, y'all teachers, let's get in this circle and work this out. And that's when you find people who have developed techniques over the years. There are libraries of books on how to do this stuff. But see, that's in a book. Now I'm in the room. 
And as I remind teachers all the time, I laugh about it, man. Some of these cats who started calling me as Dr. Carr, and that's Greg. I'm always Greg. I'll be Greg in here. I mean, I'm, you know, that doctor don't mean it's a driver's license. Ain't no evidence as to whether or not you can drive, but you need one to get in that room that I'm in right now. But the point is, I remind them all the time. They say, well, prof, you know, and a lot of these battles now, people, you were left out of curriculum. You were put in, they didn't put in. I said, man, most, many of my friends, colleagues, comrades, many people arguing now about this course, wouldn't last a week in the school. It run out crying by Wednesday. Why <laughs> y'all teaching five, six sections, students this, that, man. You got all kinds of stuff around you, and you got to do that every day, all day, every day. Then go grade papers, come back next morning, hit it six, seven o'clock in the morning. You drop your own kids off, take care of your own, your grandma and nana and them, and then get to school. Come on, wouldn't last a week. These are Negroes sitting up taking pot shots at each other, all heavily subsidized. Some of them paid by college board to work on the curriculum. Now they arguing with each other, and I'm saying, you know, use it now. Of course, we all have our challenges in life. This isn't to diminish them, but it's to say, be very careful. We start having conversations, but the Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, uh, the subject of Mahmoud Abdul Ru, can absolutely be written about in the AP course. There are no exclusions in that regard. There are others, but we have to understand the material circumstances. To the to what you raised, prop, which when you came in, the the social structure that we are fighting in many ways because it has racialized us in this hierarchy. The social structure is one thing. Who we are to each other, the governance question. Who, what are our cultural meaning-making venues? How do we remember as we move through time and space, movement and memory? How do we engage and use science technology as tools to advance our interests? What are our ways of knowing? That is what makes us a we to evoke Deion Sanders, uh, Deion, Lord have mercy, Deion Warwick, I'm tripping, Deion Warwick, to evoke Deion Warwick, of course, who took a song she didn't write, Burt Backrack and Hal David wrote it, A House Is Not A Home, as a metaphor. In other words, the material conditions you live in are not you. You populate those material conditions with who you are in the world, and that's what transforms those material conditions. So, you know, when Dion sings, or better yet, Luther, you want to see something, go to the tribute to Dion Sanders, and Luther Vandross comes out on stage and says, A room is still a room, even when there's nothing there but gloom. But a room is not a house. And a house is not a home when the two of us are far apart and one of us has a bro. Nope. Has a broken heart. You gotta do Luther right, you gotta hit that note. But anyway, the point is this. A room is still a room, even if ain't nothing in there. But a room becomes a house when the two people are together, when the five people are together, when the 40 million people are together, when the billion people are together. That's when you create the formation. Make no mistake, there would be no AP class in these classrooms right now in African American studies had not y'all been out in the street. If you hadn't been in the street in August and in July and in June and in April and, ap no, and after May 2020, the reckoning. Scared the hell out of this social structure. Give them what they want. $5 over there, $20 over there. AP, hell, you can have an AP uh, firebombing class. And just please don't destroy us. And at that point, to your point, Professor Hunter, those positioned inside the social structure who are uh, conversant in governance talk present themselves as the representatives of those in the street. 
And then when they get in this room, that's when the question comes. Are you really representing the us that you are claiming to represent? Because there's no we, we're forming that. But you are presenting to this social structure that you represent that. And you've been cultivated to do that. And then you've got to make choices. I'm not questioning motives. I'm telling you we, what we already know, how social structures work. And so when you see this course, now there's a whole discussion about what is and isn't in it. Black Lives Matter been left, move for Black Lives been left out. Uh, intersectionality been left out. You know, uh, queer theory has been left out. Anza Davis, where's she at? I don't see her in here. Oh, Robin Kelly is not in here. Women, all these people in, oh, slow down. Everybody slow their roll. First of all, first of all, what is a curriculum? A curriculum is a framework. As I said, we battled over theme versus chronology in 2007 when we created the Africana Studies Lessons in Africana Studies, the framework that now is at the core of the work we're doing here, which don't ask permission, which don't charge tuition. We're not charging 50 stacks a year like Howard does or 45 like Spellman does or even state tuition. If you're if you're in Nubia, if you're narrative already, if you're narrative, you join, you do a small subscription fee. That's good for a year and it renews. That gets you in access to everything. The huge archive, our, our weekly work, of course, Monday night, we continue in the Africana Studies class. We're reading Cedric Robinson, chapters four and five. And in Googie Wapiango, something torn and new, the first two chapters, chapter one and two. We're going into framing question four. Um, what are... Um, Frame questions for how do Africans conceive of unity and thought and action beyond national boundaries in the face of European and American imperialism? That's our but but you once you've paid that fee, you in there, you log in as much time you want as 3,500 people on a Monday night. Do you know, in terms of a force multiplier, we say it's the largest African studies class in the world, yeah, this, on Saturdays and on Monday nights. And that's not the Metanetra class, it's not Maroon's Medicine Chest, it's not all the stuff we talked about that's there. Together, you got a formation, and guess what? People are drawing from it. If I had one person on Thursday night, I had a hundred. Tell me to tell you, hello, Professor Hunter. Say they were Nubians. Say, yeah, I go to the professional development the AP does in terms of the teachers, but I'm in here every Saturday, so I know y'all here right now. Let's, you can't, you can't police that. You can't say I'm the representative of all the black people, dude. The people you claim to be training. Are in here with us. Why? Because the community anchors this. And so when you see their excellence, it's excellence born from the community, not from you telling somebody who paid you a consultant fee that you're doing great. That's fine. Do that, bro. In other words, we're not even worried about that. We're pouring clean glasses of water and it will overflow the boundaries. A curriculum is a framework. And I said earlier this week, put it on social media that we would spend this month talking about some of these prior curriculums. And I'm going to mention one today as we kind of begin to wind and to, 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 to pause for a moment. And we're going to continue this next week. I'm going to bring up some examples of curriculum. Nothing in this AP course in terms of framework is new. And as someone who has written a lot of curriculum over the years and a lot of different categories, and is very proud of the work we did in Philadelphia, when the first thing I did in Philadelphia is go to something that doesn't exist anymore because they threw it in the trash. We were able, Dana King and I and a few others were able to rescue a lot of the stuff. So I got a lot of stuff in storage. We went to what is called, what was called at the time, the pedagogical library. Gentrification, concessions by city government, state government that turned the school district of Philadelphia building the building students came and protested from all over the city of philadelphia in 1967 to get african-american history taught in the courses and were beat by the police that building's now condominiums on the parkway in philadelphia and they used to have a a, a big 
space on the first floor called the pedagogical library. We could have called it pedagogy, but and 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 and, and epistemology. We call it ways of knowing. Pedagogy, pedagogue from the Greek, pedago, pedophile. You know, uh, pediatrician. The same root child to lead a child by the hand, literally to lead a child. Pedagogy. How do you teach? The pedagogical library. And I went, I combed that pedagogy, I would spend hours in the pedagogical library because that was the compendium of all the stuff the school district had over the years in the school district. And I found curriculum after curriculum, African and African American studies, going back to the mid 1960s. And if you live in a big city in the United States, New York, Oakland, if you live not only in Philadelphia, but Baltimore, and I've got many of those curriculum written in the 60s, in the 70s, consultants like John Henry Clark, Jake, uh, uh, um, uh, Vincent Harding, Benjamin Quarles at Morgan State University. Uh, you had people writing all over, including the South. Jim Crow, no, nah, 60s and 70s. Master historians, many of whom were at black colleges in Houston, in Nashville, writing what they would call Negro history curriculums in. So the first thing I did is we ain't writing a line of the Philadelphia curriculum without going back and not only going back to pay tribute to those who came before them because teachers wrote a lot of that stuff. They were consultants, but teachers wrote a lot of that stuff, but also to draw from it because we need what we always talk about in here, the momentum of memory. What I don't like is show pony Negroes showing up. We've introduced the newest. Of That's a lot. Now, there are people in here who believe that, but the teachers know better. The teachers who've been around know better. They're looking like to borrow from the phonology of Ebonics, which means everybody in here right now of African descent who knows Ebonics, and that's most people in the world, know the sound I'm about to make. I I've invented the new, this is my new framework, and what I've done is coming. Somebody sitting there. Mm-hmm. All right. That's my translate that for you if you don't speak Ebonics. But the point is this. The point is, the first thing I did was go to the pedagogical library, and then they sold the school district building. They're going to throw away the pedagogical library. So then I would go in at night, security guards, hey, that car's going on. Okay, it's about eight o'clock. I'll be here till midnight. Where you going? You know where I'm going. I'm going to rescue the pedagogical library. Give me two copies of this, three copies of that. Meanwhile, stuff going in the dumpster. I'm trying to beat the damn dumpster. Come in one day, it's gone. Why? Because they're going to make this, uh, this probably be Barfy's room for the dog spa. You know, they're going to have one on the roof and they have one down here where you can get your little poodle, get it. Yeah, but the books are gone. This happened in school district buildings around the school district of Philadelphia and in Detroit and in Memphis and a lot of people, they, they go in the library and just throw all the books away. Anyway, story for another day or for today, which is why you always go to used bookstores. Many of y'all got books from used bookstores say uh, uh, Highland Park High School. What happened? That's the little place in, uh, in, the, in Detroit. Well, Highland Park is its own uh, city surrounded by Detroit where they threw the whole thing away. My man, Paul Lee, dumpster diving, trying to get books out the trash, testifying before the school board with tears in his eyes. Somebody, y'all threw the damn, this was one of the greatest pedagogy, uh, pedagogical, the greatest school libraries. And I mean, full sets of the Journal of Negro History. Stuff just went in the trash. Anyway, and now, of course, you have to buy it at auction. And if you want to go see a copy, you go to Emory or uh, Columbia. And they say, we have the finest collection. Yeah, you damn diff. Y'all diff. Anyway. A curriculum is a framework. It's a guide. It's also a directive. What does that mean? Assessment drives instruction. That AP test to determine whether you get that weighted GPA or that four or five and transfer that credit, that's that that's key. So you want to know what's going to be on the test. This is where the battle's going to be and it will be in terms of omissions. It's not on the test. 
This is a problem. They fighting about that, right? The final project, the final project can be any topic. So as I said, this is the pilot. It's different than this. Not in terms of framework. This is the final thing. So if you go to the AP website, you can download this PDF. But you know me, I don't trust nothing electronic. So when they turn all these lights off and we have to figure out a way to communicate with each other, the dozens of our electronics, I'll still, <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, I'll be in here. So, you know, first thing I did when I got down there, who got the physical copies? Because, you know, Greg Carr likes physical copies. Why? Because it's going to be in my library, which means it's going to be where? In our library. You know what I'm saying? As John Clark said, you got to carry your library in your head anyway. But as the people who trained him, he and Charles Bloxon and the rest of them trained me, get a copy. Get a copy, brother. So let me show y'all. What do we see here? This is the official course framework project and exam overview. Everybody has a copy anywhere around the world. You got a computer on here now? You can do that. Here are the acknowledgments. These are the people who they kind of gave a particular shout out to. Additional contributors, I'm listed there along with a whole other people. Herman Bennett, Josh Bennett, myself, uh, Alicia Butler, Carlos Escobar, Stephen Hall, Jarvis Givens, who I saw Thursday night. Uh, Josh Myers, of course, my former student who's now a professor at Howard University. Uh, Donia Berry at UT Austin. John Thornton. John Thornton, remember I tell you about John Thornton doing that work on... Um, West Africa, particularly Congo, and then, you know, transmission. So you talk about the woman King. Thornton's work is excellent. That His wife, Linda Haywood, was a professor at Howard uh, at one time. Now they're both at Boston University. Uh, that's where one of the finest students I've ever had, Shanice Thompson, Dr. Thompson, who's now at Bowie State University. She went through and got a master's there in African, African American studies. They do diaspora history. So the diaspora is heavily uh, anchored here. But I want to go very quickly to the and there's a lot more I could talk about, but I'm not going to do that today. Again, we got all month, and I want to take some time not on the AP course every Saturday, but in terms of curriculum and instruction and what we're doing and what we've been doing and what we won't be dissuaded from doing. Let me see if I can get oh, here we go. Here goes the course at a glance. Those same four sections are there Origins of the African Diaspora, Unit One, Unit Two, Freedom, Enslavement, and Resistance, where the teachers were telling me this is where they get caught up. Why they love the, the, the kids, the young people love this part. Radical resistance and revolt. Resist resistance strategies, part one. Resistance strategies, part two. See, me in a classroom, I'm like, okay, they ran away. That's grand maroonage, as we've talked about. We talked about that Monday night. We were going through Cedric Robinson. There's petite maroonage, you know, like, you know, spitting in some of the water or, you know, breaking tools or grinding up glass. And then a teacher, the door closed, and a bunch of black students. Do you know any resistance strategies that you employ? You would know the answer is yes. And this is why you never talk crazy to people in a restaurant about your food cold or it's nasty. Take this back, make it right. Anyway, <laughs> my point is there's a curriculum and there's students. Between the curriculum and the students are the teachers. The master teachers will take this document. They'll teach whatever needs to be taught to the test. When they close that door, we have a different conversation. Story after story Thursday night. I promise you, it almost drove me to tears. It's such a beautiful thing when you hear teachers talking about their students. Students who may not have been performing well. Students who want to come into class and overhear. Students who say, I want to take that next semester, which is going to create a pressure on school districts to hire more students. Why? And it ain't just black students. But I'm talking now about black students. Probably. I'm saying, these young cats, okay, coach. So-and-so told me he in your class. Yeah, he in there. 
dude, can I take it next semester? Boy, what's your GPA? You know what? Forget that. Yeah, you can take it. Or more importantly, more importantly even than that, we will get you subscription to narrative. Or you on Saturday, do in class. We got students who are in this class right now, in here right now watching us, having conversations. I don't know that because I talked to the head of the college board or the Dr. Gates or anybody. No, I know that because I talked to the teachers. See, the beautiful thing is you bring the teachers in, you give them a stand ovation, everything's beautiful. Then you go back to drinking your expensive drink and clinking champagne glasses in the van. And that's all important. That's cool. That's cool. Meanwhile, them same teachers, you know what they're going to be doing Monday? Busting their ass grading papers while you on uh, Zoom. <laughs> or you're in the archive writing about the importance of radical resistance and pedagogy. So you can publish a book that maybe a thousand people will buy and they give you an award. But then people you writing about are the ancestors of the people who are doing that work. And guess what? When you show up to give the speech for how much they paid you to give it, they're going to come and listen for an hour. They're even going to engage and you might even they may even learn something. But then you're going back to the next speech and they're going to go back to the classroom. And I'm going to tell you right now, the resistance is in the classroom because who's in the classroom? Our children. And who are our children? They come from our communities. And that's where the heart of work is. Ain't nobody even worried about no AP, nothing. We are the advanced placement. You got a company, millions of dollars getting traded and a whole enterprise where you grading people, assessing people, moving them up the conveyor belt. You pick three or four out of the 30 or 40 you cultivated, make them the state Negroes. They represent the rest of us. And now we're in here clapping and that's fine. I love it all. It's beautiful because trust me, there's no more humorous, informative, tragic, human and experienced than to be in a convening like that. And I was grateful. I showed up a few minutes early. I taught my class at Howard, got on the train, came down. I was early. So I'm coming through the staff entrance. I know a few of them cats at the museum. I never, I know a lot of people work there from the directors and them all down. I never email and ask for entry. I don't ask for no special. They said, Carl, you can come anytime. Just let us know. Mm -mm, I'm coming with the people. When this, when this thing was dropped, I told them I do not want an advanced copy. I know it's all embargoed. I want to open it the same day everybody else open it. That's very important to me. So I'm there early and the brother, the lead brother standing there, you know, he said, oh, you're not on the list. I said, oh, no, I know I'm not on the list. I know I'm not on the list. I'm early. So we stand there talking. I said, bro, because they open doors at 630. So only, you know, people coming through the staff. I said, these damn police doing that. He said, man, I had to call my whole squad. They had more army than God down there. I'm not talking about U.S. Army. I'm talking about the Smithsonian police. There were some other police. Maybe they were National Park Service. I'm not sure. Dozens of police. Prof, why were all those police down there for the unveiling of an AP course? Uh, protest. Oh, white people protesting? The <laughs> possibility. Absolutely. Why oh my goodness. I mean, it, it, I'm, and I'm telling you something that's not going to be reported in the New York Times or CNN because in order to do it, in order to report that, you would, two things would have had to happen. Number one, you'd have to be there and there were plenty there to be able to do it. But number two, you'd have to have your eyes tuned. And number three, you'd have to have some kind of governance conversation. I don't pass by nobody working nowhere and not have a conversation with them if I can. You understand? So I'm standing there talking to the brothers and sisters who work there, who had to work double to overtime who at 11 o'clock was like, turn on the lights, like y'all ain't got to go home, 
But <laughs> so I'm standing there talking to the old head. The brother said, man, I know y'all tired. He said, man, I got to be here back here in the morning. I said, look, man, we get ready to get out of here, man. Thank you, bro. Just standing there talking, man, you know, but people just walk by. Why? I'm saying, okay, y'all unveil the AP course. It is a beautiful thing. And I watch the people you walk by on the way to talking about a course that you say you wrote to talk about the people that you walk by. And I realized that this is this politics of representation. A curriculum is a framework, but a curriculum is also a directive. A directive it has assessments you march along into the achievement and in this curriculum it has the same framework as the as the pilot unit three the practice of freedom no, unit four movements and debates still there now if you compare this one to shout out to my uh to my man dan who picked the different covers for the pilot so he had three different covers right the, the gordon parks joined the, I showed y'all this one now, the artwork there or the South Carolina Sweetgrass, you know, you can put it on whichever you want. I didn't I didn't put it on either one. I just like to keep these documents. But if you compare this curriculum, the pilot, to this one, the final one, there's stuff that's been moved around, stuff that's been changed, and we can talk more about that next week. But when you get to the bot end of this curriculum, people say, left this out. They put this out. They took this out. Let me go to what they call project description. So you, the final project, you get to pick, right? A curriculum is a directive. You got the AP exam and you got the final project. Project description. The course project provides students with the opportunity to research any topic, theme, or issue or development in the field of African-American studies. Sometimes they say field. Sometimes they say discipline. I know all of this is the battles that were had because I was in some of those fights. This, not gonna, this would not be a course. I would not design this framework this way. But I knew going in that it wouldn't be the framework I would want. And I also knew, more importantly, that that's not necessary. I'm glad to be in the room. Thank you for inviting me. And in this conversation, those of you who know me know the standard I try to keep for myself. Those of you who don't, you will. So what we have is mutual respect. The people who use the pejorative hotel or say they're Afrocentric and these Afrocentrics are crazy. Yeah, you can't put that label on me. Not eyeball to eyeball. You can say that behind my back. And it's no problem. I embrace it with both hands. But if we're in the same room, we're going to find out who knows. As KRS-One said, you know, let's go toe for toe, blow for blow. Yo, you better act like you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're going to have a conversation. I don't know everything and don't know near everything. But the Negroes who come in who act like they know everything, I take particular uh, pleasure in having conversations with them. What's your area, sub subject area? Oh, so you've read sentences. Oh, no, I'm not aware. Okay, I'm just doing this so everybody else know. That pretentiousness is the first thing got to go when we come in this room. So I'm grateful to be in the conversation. I know this ain't going to be what we write, but I also know that that's not important. Why? Because you can spend a hundred billion trillion dollars on this stuff. The people you trying to reach, the people who were in the streets, the people who couldn't be in the streets because they had to go to work. See, those people are the ones that we're talking with. And ultimately, as they move, you move. Because when they move, you threw a whole AP class in the street to try to stop them. Guess what? As we move, we dictate the terms. That's the difference between governance and social. So the course goes on and says, students will define a research topic and use a line of inquiry, conduct independent research to analyze primary and secondary sources. Again, the language sounds great. How do we do it? How do we do it? We didn't have frameworks on that. Yeah, you leaving that to the teachers, right? So you could spend a whole... Uh, here, Malcolm. Here's here's a visual source. Malcolm X with Nigerians in Harlem on the day Nigeria declared its independence, 1960. Beautiful picture. Getty Images. I met the sister, the vice president for Getty Images. Black woman. Her assist. Her her her, her lieutenant, not her assistant. Her lieutenant 
student at Howard. That's the car. I'm down in the basement with the brothers. We chopping it up. Here come these two sisters. By the time it was over, we all in there laughing at Thomas Jefferson. But my point is this. <laughs> Governance. I said, oh, get it. Y'all got the images. He said, yeah, yeah. And we, we all in. Part of this course is they have a partnership with the Smithsonian, Getty Images and some others to put all of this ultimately online. So if you're listening to us right now, you're going to have access to all these documents. Documents drive this. I'm coming to this in a second. So anyway, the project description, let me get to it. They talk about, you know, what to do, make a defensible claim, support your argument using evidence, demonstrate how the evidence supports line of reasoning, stuff you write in curriculum. And then teachers say, this is a great teacher training. Let me go in the classroom, close the door. Lord have mercy, this child can't read that sentence okay what am i going to do or can read the sentence but it's never done a research project okay them people at the professional development can't help you now it's tough i need somebody to help me okay or i know what to do or some combination of those things here sample project topics illustrative illustrative only let me be very clear about this the media is saying and people are saying including some people who are friends with the people they say that they omitted them which leads me to believe it's a whole lot more going on. Ain't been said. So-and-so's not in there. Sentence that's not in there. This topic not in there. Hold on, hold on. First of all, it's a curriculum, which means we all know if you're a teacher, if it ain't on the test, then it may or may not get taught. Once you close that door, and I know from experience, I think we wrote the finest curriculum framework there is for an Africana Studies course to be offered in uh, adolescent education. And I knew the day we sent it to the publisher, to Songhai Press and the schools of Philadelphia published that curriculum. I knew it wasn't going to get used unless human beings continued on the path. Oh, I know that. See, I know how curriculum works. Anyway. Okay, say so move. Okay, fine. Let's look. You see those categories? In-depth historical engagements. Impact of domestic slave trade on black families, abolitionists and abolitionists, role of religion, evangelicals, GI Bill, local African-American history and culture, black participation in the military, barriers and breakthroughs. These are just suggested topics or sample projects, not even suggested, because it says this. These topics are not a required part of the course framework that is formally adopted by states and that defines the exam. This list is a partial one for illustrative purposes and can be refined by states and districts. They're trying to see because also in addition to being a curriculum and in addition to being a narrative, a curriculum like a budget is a political document. It's a political document. They're trying to satisfy everybody because ultimately you got to get this in the schools in Florida and Kentucky and Texas and Louisiana, in addition to New York and Illinois and California and Oregon. In other words, you got state boards of education, local boards of education. You got puffer fish like that punk down there in Florida who's going to try to claim that he can stop something that he knows he can't as a lawyer, but he's got to make that noise. But you will have local school district officials. There are people teaching an AP class in class in, in states. And Steve said this to Roland Martin the other night. He interviewed, I, I, I mentioned it to him on, on, on Thursday night. I said, I saw you on Roland, Steve. Yeah, Steve said there, uh, there are over 60 teachers teaching this course right now, the pilot, in over 30 states, including some that have been in the news recently. That was a subtle way of saying, you got people in Florida that are not going to open their mouth right now because standing between all this war on this side and the puffer fish and them is a principal, is moms for liberty and all these damn rabbit fascists. In other words, you got to navigate this and stand in between those people and that teacher are these children. I, a teacher told me the other night, in fact, this sister, actually, no, this sister was on the uh, panel. She's teaching a class and her class, majority white. She said she had to come in and tell the students because when they were looking at the news, one of the children said, oh, are they going to, they're going to they gonna stop our class? She said, no, no, they're not going to stop the class. Why? Let me tell you something, Andrew DeSantis. 
I know you're not watching this, but y'all send this clip to him or not, because I couldn't care whether you live or not. The point is this. You think you can stop us? Your punk kinsman in Florida, when you blew up Harry and Harriet Moore Christmas night at their house, two school teachers who were leaders are also the NAACP and you killed them in their beds. And Langston Hughes wrote that poem and then Sweet Honey in the Rock made a, made a song, The Ballad of Harry Moore. You can't stop us. Freedom never dies. You can't stop us. We're going to roll over you like the waters. We're going to roll over you like the sunrise over the darkness. We're going to roll over you like the darkness over the sunrise. Son, grandson, great-grandson, errant, miscreant, whatever you are or aren't, you are of no consequence, sir. And at the same time, we understand we got to protect those teachers. And we will protect each other because we know that that is our work. So politics and policy debates here. It said it took out the movement for black lives. Well. Here, there's a suggested topic or a sample project, Black Lives Matter, Origin Impacts Critics, Reparations Debates in the United States or the Americas, uh, Black Conservatism, Movements Led by Black Women, Combahee River Collective and Beyond. Also, Combahee is mentioned in uh, in the curriculum as well, and beyond the, the project, the final project. I'm seeing reports they took out, mm, don't do that. Uh, global Studies. African slavery, resistance, resistance and revolts, societal examinations. Here we are. Intersectionality and the dimensions of black experiences. Now I don't see queer theory there. I see gay life and expression in black communities and gay and queer is not coterminous. So there are things that have been removed from the draft that aren't in here. There are things that have been moved in the draft that are not in here. I'm gonna show you one more document that was, was given to us as we were leaving. And let me just show you this quickly this is a list of copyrights that they've gotten permission to uh put include in the compendium so let me just go back a curriculum consists of the the, the framework the kind of way you deliver the framework sometimes you might put what's called a planning and scheduling timeline which would mean here are the six weeks uh week one Day one, day two, this was that's why if you spend more time in unit two, it may make you reconfigure. In fact, let me just show you here. It may make you have to reconfigure because there's material you have to cover, right? And you have a, a kind of time frame to do that. So if you look here, for example, um course at a glance, or is in the African diaspora, five weeks, freedom, enslavement, and resistance, eight weeks. Because they knew once them young people got to hold that resistance, it was gonna take longer, as long a period. Practice of freedom, five weeks. Movement and debates, seven weeks. Now, I want you to see something as well, which is why I say this is the same curriculum. I said I would start introducing this month some things that we have talked about and some things we haven't spent enough time about. Let me pull two pieces that I said I was going to say. Let me see if we get the clock here. I'm going to kind of wind this up now. This is the 10th edition, published in 1962, of a book originally published in 1922. I did not pull my 1922 edition because I have all the editions. Um, this is a book called The Negro in Our History, Carter G. Woodson and Charles Wesley. This is the 10th edition illustrated, of course, Fred Douglas there because Fred Douglas and Abraham Lincoln, the two uh, people that Woodson identified as symbolizing the relationship of black folk with America, which is why he picked the second week in February, their birth weeks, uh, you know, Lincoln for absolute sure, Douglas by choice because he didn't know his birthday. And 
you know, that's when in 1926, Whitson started the, uh, what we now know as Black History Month. Now, look at the table of contents. Chapter one, the unknown African origin. Chapter two, African institutions, a background. Unit one, origins of the African diaspora. Unit one, topic one, introduction to African-American studies, because they start with the discipline. They have a document in there, primary source document, because this curriculum consists of a framework, uh, a, a form of directing assessments and topics. And also a key element of this is the sources, whether it be photographs, whether it be sculpted, whether it be material work. And of course, the Smithsonian has agreed to, 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 to mount and give access to all these primary documents you know, bills of sale, tax records, poetry, uh, excerpts from books. These are the sources that can drive. Now, do the teachers have to use these sources? Well, is something from this source going to be on the test? I guess we'll find out. But you can pull any kind of source you want. If you are in Ohio, then you're going to want to have perhaps go out to the grave of Martin Delaney and take a picture or connect with the African-American Museum and Wilberforce, the first National African-American History and Culture Museum. Opened in 1976, along with the museum in Philadelphia, which was actually the founding director was Charles Harris Wesley, the co-author of this book. And you can take something from there. But the sources enable teachers and students to expand whatever topic they want to talk about and look at. And it doesn't have to be part of the compendium that's going to be given away. But here, of course, skill categories, I can talk about that. But look at this. So the document here is uh, in the Introduction to African States section. I won't turn to that page. One of the documents is one of the do early documents of the National Council of Black Studies. And I'm on the board of the National Council of Black Studies. So, you know, we can talk about that. They want people to know about the discipline. Now, I would have picked some other form, some other documents, too. But I'm not doing the picking. Right. I'm then the strength and complexity of early African societies, early West African empires, early African kingdoms and city states, early Africa and global politics. That's the Africa part. Okay, in terms of form, that we've been doing that for years. The unknown African origin, African institutions, a background, Africans in history with others, foreign aggression. Well, there's a social structure category, chapter four. Chapter five, the situation in tropical America. What Woodson and Wesley do, Woodson first, because he was the single author for years, is start bringing in, now he would, they wouldn't call it social structure. But they start with the governance formations and indigenous social structures. Africa. Where does this curriculum start? Africa. But they say origins of the African diaspora. So what does that tell you linguistically in terms of language, in terms of curriculum, in terms of the framework and the narrative? It's still oriented toward where we ended up, not where we came from. This is a fundamental difference between the way I would look at African studies and the way they would. African studies for them is ultimately about the modern world about race in the modern world. They can say it's not, but it absolutely is. One of the critiques I read, um, uh, my new friend, Kianga Yamada Taylor, was interviewing my old friend and brother, Robin Kelly. Uh, they published in The New Yorker yesterday, and they were talking about the critics, and you know, they're critics as well, of this curriculum. I get it, I respect it, I understand it. Robin defines African-American studies, and he's defining it in the context of a modern world system. I respect that too. I fundamentally reject it because then he goes on to critique. He says, see, when you're talking about ancient empires and kingdoms, that's not a threat. The threat is to deal with the modern world. I say, bro, you know better than that. You've written better than that. In fact, when I did the, the same couple of months after I defended my dissertation and sent it to him, I said, what do you think about this, brother? I may be trying to get this published. It's a blessing, ultimately, that it didn't happen. Because when it does come out, it'll be with Black Classic Press. 
or after world press or maybe third world, maybe all three, I'll do something, maybe and ask them all three to publish it. Cause I, I really do believe in that. We can't keep writing our stuff and sending it to white people because Woodson didn't, he started the associated publishers, the most recent edition, in fact, of the miseducation of the Negro uh, by brother Gibbons. I don't know what I did with it. Oh, here it is. See this one written by black people published by black people. This one just came out penguin press. With an introduction by Henry Lewis Gates, my man Jarvis Givens. But guess what? I ain't mad at them cats. You do you. My point is, we gonna do we because the copyright is free on this on the uh, on the uh, miseducation of the Negro. And my man Yusef, uh, who made transition, who owned our cable line books in 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 uh, in Nashville, uh, Yusef used to always say to me, Greg, when you gonna annotate and publish a version of the miseducation of the Negro? Well, he made transition, never got it out, or didn't get it out to date. Maybe that's the narrative of Nubia Project, Professor Hunter, for us to do an annotated version because the copyright is out. Go with God with Penguin, but that ain't what Woodson was talking about. Black institutions, the associated publishers. Anyway, as I was saying, the idea then, Robin says, well, that's not a threat, talking about Egypt and talking about ancient Egypt and Kush and talking about ancient empires. Bruh, you know better than that. The year I defended my dissertation later, and I, you know, I sent him my dissertation. I said, what do you think about it? He said, oh, man, this is important work. He had an article that came out that same year in the Journal of American History, but uh, but a local phase of the of a global problem, connecting all this struggle, writing about some of the things I was writing about. But my dissertation starts in Africa. And it starts because it's an Africana studies dissertation. It It is it, very important to understand that if you, in fact, I'll just take take a second on this. The curriculum wars we're engaged in aren't about contributions to solving the race problem in the contemporary world, although the problem must be solved. It's about drawing from sources that will help us get out of this mess, as Jacob Carruthers and Anderson Thompson and Harold Pates and them would say. And so for my dissertation, um, I acknowledge the years of intellectual warfare, meaning the first section of the work that I try to do under the direction of Jacob Carruthers and Marimba Ani and Theophile Obinga African deep thought in prior to the contemporary era. Then the next chapter was African deep thought in the contemporary era. Then the next chapter was African thought in the early Ma'afa, meaning what? Ma'afa being a Kiswahili word for disaster, more natural disaster than, than human disaster. But you know, the point though I'm making is that you don't even get to where we are in the contemporary world without anchoring ourselves in some ways of knowing prior to enslavement, because that's where we're going to find many of the solutions in terms of how we think about the world and how our thinking about the world has sustained us. A lot of that stuff is in here as well, but it's framed in a way that starts with the trauma origins of the African diaspora. I get it chronologically, but without a heavy enough conceptual framework, you're just going to bring that into the trauma and you will locate black studies as somehow problem solving in the modern world that is anchored in a sense of ourself that was born in the modern world. Yes, it was born in the water. Yes, it was born in this moment, but you cannot use that as the framework if you're really trying to solve problems because once you claim the problem is solved, what happens to you? That's a rich debate. I, I wouldn't go on. But then by the time you get to like chapter four or five of my dissertation, that's when I get into the battlegrounds, the acceleration of African-oriented thought as a defense mechanism in the contemporary world. That's why it doesn't surprise me that unit two has caused these young people really to get fired up in this class. Resistance, Moronish, we want to know about that. Everybody didn't resist everywhere, but there are forms of resistance and we want to study them and link them to how we resist today. So, you know, it, it takes a while for me to get to 20th century African centered thought in later chapters. And then from 1945 to the present, get into the room. And my last chapter in my dissertation is philosophy of history. 
that's the Africana Studies dissertation, but I'm looking at philosophy of history because how we think about ourselves across time and space frames what we do in the living now. That was always Theophile Benga's point, and I had to reconcile that. But the but the creation of curriculum, you know, we ended with this for today, and then we'll pick up next week. The creation of curriculum is a human exercise because all curriculum is means course of study. How do you study to make a cake? How do you study to braid hair? How do you study to jump rope? How do you, as a curriculum, did you write down the steps? Okay, grandma said, take your fingers and get 15 grains of salt. Let me write that down. No, you're watching, you're observing. Any curriculum is delivered. It's going to be delivered by and to and for and with human beings. We know that. But in terms of this contemporary world we're in, at, after the funeral of Jacob Carruthers, we were on the West Side Chicago Palace Bookstore, myself, Dr. Beatty, and Dr. Obenga. And we were in the bookstore, and Obenga let out a little, oh, they what? He had found a copy of the Scolia Platonica. This is Plato writing. And he said, and he, we stand there looking at it, and the, and, the, and the version he had at Powell's Bookstore, 57th Street, which sells a lot of Greek, Egyptian stuff, primary documents, this kind of thing, bound volumes. He's running his finger, his cold as hell Chicago, 2004, Barack Obama running for Senate, and I'm taking magnets off the side of newspaper boxes because I think this guy Obama may be going somewhere and stuffing them in my bag because I want to be in my archive. He running his cold as hell, hands look like he's been playing in flower, ashy Congolese fingers over the Greek uh, lines in this Scolia Platonica translating in real time while the while the guy selling the books is like, who in the hell are these Negroes? <laughs> yeah, this man right here is one of the most intelligent, brilliant freedom fighters in the history of the Africana tradition and the junior protege of Sheikh Antijok. He's translating where Plato writes that the Egyptian education, the purpose of it is to make us more human and that the Greek education by comparison is not fit for pigs. If you take AP world history or AP literature, you're probably going to study Plato. He's probably going to be on the test, but are they going to put the Platonica in there? The Scolia Platonica? Probably not. But guess what? We ain't asking them to because we are in control of ourselves and we need those skills. So as he's doing it, that's a curriculum war because they go back. Those of you who took those classes, AP, and took those classes and anchored in world history, which means Europe's encounter with the world, which means the imaginary Europe that is created by a narrative that ties Greeks to Romans, to British. Like, that ain't even no connection. You got to go through the French for that. But anyway, whole story is another day. Now, you fast forward to where we are now. Fast forward over all of the human experience till you get into this 500-year room and you encounter a guy in the early 18th century like uh, Jacobus Capitan. Some of y'all heard of Capitan. Jacobus Eliza Capitan. He wrote a dissertation, an African from West Africa, 1742 in the Netherlands, talking about slavery and Christianity and how the two were not irreconcilable. And the white people sent him back to West Africa, what is now Ghana, to Elmina, to the mine, to be a missionary and convert to Africans. And he did not succeed because Africans ain't going to be converted into some BS. In fact, I mentioned now my brother Kwasi Kanadu, his recent book, Many Women, Many Black Women of This Fortress. 
Gracia, Monica, and Adwa, three enslaved women of Portugal's African empire. Talking about how these black women represent the Africans who would not convert, who did not resist. And even when you thought they converted, they ain't really convert. Some of y'all in the holiness church know what I'm talking about. Or if you've been to church anywhere, even the AMEs. Uh, we got to talk about the AMEs, Professor Hunter, you and I, because uh, Frank Reed, the bishop of the 11th Episcopal District in Florida, had a message for me to give to you. Not only is he uh, grateful for this space, and he, he, you talk about a force. Reverend Wright knows uh him and and, and and a lot of other people, Freddie Haynes, you know, I mean, you know, he, you know, he Bishop Reed, I was on the phone with him earlier this week. But when they sent Capitan back to what is now Ghana to convert the Africans to Christianity, he failed. Died broke, wanted to marry uh, an African woman. His masters told him, no, no, we don't approve that, but we'll approve you marrying this white girl. He died, he's about 30 years old. He's buried in Elmina. Jacob Carruthers and I standing there in 1996, the summer of 1996. We were over there with ASCAC. And Jacob Carruthers writes so powerfully about Capitan. In fact, I encourage everybody, if you don't have this book, Intellectual Warfare, we're going to talk about this maybe a little less week because uh, there's a chapter in here about Professor Gates called, what is it here? A Loose Cannon in Search of Losing Cannons. Because, you know, it was very interesting listening to conversations on uh, yeah, a loose cannon in search of losing cannon. According to Manning Marable, a scholar of African uh, descent, Henry Louis Gates is, quote, profoundly at odds with the Afrocentric position, end quote. Well, that's true back then. Now I'm listening to him Thursday night like, man, you black as hell. You blacking everybody down here. And I ain't mad at you because the people moved in a direction. So if you want to be seen as somebody who is representing the people in these social structure spaces, you got to move with us. In other words, let's not get distracted, y'all. Them people got to come with us or not, but it ain't going to change what we're doing. So let me, let me say, as I was saying, well, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I, I thought you were, you were rapping. I, yeah, I, yeah, I am. I am. I am. I'm coming now. The, um, in fact, let me, uh, let me do this. Let me do oh, this and I did come in for a reason. Um, yeah, the, the stories of the removal of Bell Hooks and ta Coates and Kimberly Crenshaw and what, how should we be perceiving that? And do teachers have the right to put them back even though they've been removed? Well, here's the thing. Again, a curriculum is a document. If it's not going to be on the test, then what does it mean to remove something or to replace something? Clearly, it, the language is, is strode throughout this curriculum that you go beyond the curriculum. The final project, in fact, explicitly says you can pick any topic you want. The document I was about to show you all, this is a document called AP African American Studies Copyright Permission Acquisition Status for Sources. They're going to make the sources available to everybody who wants them. They're going to put them online. So far, among the received uh, uh, permissions, you've got Catherine McKittrick. I think they said they had left her out. Uh, Annette Gordon-Reed on Juneteenth, Isabel Wilkinson, of course, Amy Cesare, France Fanon, Wretched of the Earth, uh, the Combahee River Collective, of course, the statement there, uh, Omi and Winant, Racial Formation, yeah, of course, Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham, uh, here's Kimberly Crenshaw, Mapping the Margins, Intersectionality, Identity Politics, Violence Against Women of Color, Malefi Asante, Robin Kelly, Black Study, Black Struggle, again, these are sources that AP has said we want copyright permission to put them in the corpus of sources. Now, of course, the battle is, yeah, but is it on page 33 in the line in the unit? Now, if you're a classroom teacher, you know that you don't get a student's this. This is the guide. What they're battling over in some ways has everything to do with the politics of credit, an interesting word to use in a capitalist society, mm -hmm. the politics of labor and people wanting to have cachet. And I get all that. I know that clout chasing world. I rejected it and, you know, I'm probably going to live 15 to 20 minutes 
longer. It may die from other stuff, but it won't be from chasing clout. My point is that I get it, I understand, and the idea is that Black Lives Matter, in part, that movement that we would call that, is responsible for getting this thing to the point where it is now, where it is actually a course. Should it be a topic that's discussed inside those lines? Absolutely. Is it a topic that can be discussed in the, in the group, in the final project? Absolutely. Is it a project where it's going to make a difference whether or not it's something that is introduced in the group project, or in the final project, or in the curriculum? I don't know. Is it a project that's really going to be driven by more by the teachers and the community who is pushing than it is by any document created because we know curriculum are written and then put on the shelf and people slap each other on the back for doing great work yeah that's the one we have to remember and so i should mention this is two and almost uh three pages uh eula taylor manning marable malcolm x uh uh michael gomez there's him lewis gates again stephanie smallwood uh linda haywood who i mentioned before uh, from Cedric Robinson, Black Marxism, excerpt from there. Um, Lefty Santi again, Darlene Clark Hine, uh, Octavia Butler, Kindred, or Parable of the Solar. So, uh, uh, Solar. Now that's pending. The copyright is pending there. Why? Because the estate hasn't given credit. Evelyn Burke Higginbotham is here. Dorothy Roberts, my friend Dorothy Roberts at the University of Pennsylvania. Her very important book, Killing the Black Body Race, Reproduction, and the Meaning of Liberty. Uh, Michelle Alexander, they said she's been out. Here's her book, The New Jim Crow. The, the copyright status as of now is, is, is pending. MacArthur Foundation, Incarceration in the United States, the big picture. Underneath that, Ta-Nehisi Coates, the case for reparations. Pending. You saw reparations as a possible suggested topic. Not even suggested. Possible topic. Um, Barbara Ransby, Jelani Cobb. There's Kiyanga. Kiyanga Yamada Taylor from Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation. Audrey Lord. These are all pending copyrights. The only one that's been denied on this list is an excerpt from The Fire Next Time, James Baldwin. Wow. But, but, but Prof, you know better than we. You, you are a uh, multiple by order of magnitude by most people, best-selling author. Come on back in for me. We about to we about to wind this up. What will be the politics of the Baldwin estate saying you can't use this for the course where you're gonna give all the documents away? Control of of their legacy. That's exactly right. And you know better than I do. There's money involved in this. So in other words, you know, uh, well, it maybe it's pending. How much are you gonna pay us? How much you gonna pay? And no, now what's being read in the paper? They took out of it. They took it. Hold on now. Now moving stuff to the sources. I agree. Nobody ever has to do that. But if you're a classroom teacher, do you know that if there are some 16-year-olds that read a chapter of Cedric Robinson's Black Movements in America, I would like those, you send those students to me at Howard University because I will have students who actually read Cedric Robinson's Black Movement without me holding a gun to their head. Do you, if you are a classroom teacher, <laughs> Henry Gates made this point the other night. He said, I make these documentaries. Robert Smith came to me and said, ain't nobody watch. These kids ain't watch no hour-long documentary. Can you do it in two minutes? He said, yeah, we do it in two minutes. I'm looking at him like, bruh, we've been doing this in narrative in Nubia. And I'm going to tell you right now, people watching now may not watch for two hours, but I promise you they watch for more than two minutes. Oh, See, the yeah. problem you got is you think because you put some music in it and had a groundswell, but the ship Clotilda emerged and was the last ship. Yeah, but I'm talking to them Negroes that dance in their casulas tonight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're going to watch for more than two minutes. And, and plus, the way you did it, they sitting there saying, is he talking about us or are you talking about himself? See, this curriculum only comes alive in the classroom. That's right. That's so, right. So, so so, I wanted to end with that. So th those four units, we'll pick up with that. I showed you a little bit of Woodson and Wesley, but these curriculum wars are bigger. In other words, than a class today. The roots of these curriculum wars go back. They go back to when they got us as enslaved, trained some Negroes to worship, and then sent them back 
And I stood there at the grave of Capitan with Jacob Carruthers and thinking about something Dr. Carruthers wrote in intellectual warfare and talked about all the time. What happens when you educate a Negro against his community and then he's alienated from his community and from you? We, as we standing at the grave of Jacobus Capitan, who died in the mid 18th century. Understand, we follow that through the 19th century, the early attempts to write our history. Prince Sanders, the Haitian papers, as we talked about on Monday night, uh, Baron Devasti in Haiti. They're writing their memory of the Haitian Revolution in the smoke of the revolution hasn't cleared yet. Then we come to the United States and we see as early as 1837, Robert Benjamin Lewis, Light and Truth. 1843, J.W.C. Pennington, a textbook for the history of the Negro race, or the, uh, the colored race, coming forward into the 1850s with Martin Delaney, coming into the 1860s and 70s. And then you see George Washington Williams, a two-volume history of the Negro in Africa and America. The same book Oliver Jones put in the hands of a young coal miner named Carter Gottman Woodson. Woodson was not trained. Woodson was not trained at Harvard. Woodson was trained by men who could not read or write the English language, working in a coal mine with him, and said, read this to us. Help us debate these issues, young boy. And it's something we don't understand. We're going to send you to do a little bit more research. Woodson said, I was trained by those cats. My recollection of veterans of the Civil War. You come into the 20th century, Benjamin Brawley. You come into the 20th century, by the 1920s, you have Carter Woodson, the Negro in our history. You come to the 1930s and 40s. One of the reasons you have from slavery and freedom in 1947 is because the white publishing companies needed something to go against Carter Woodson because black people are reading this book in the Negro schools, black curriculum, AP course. You're not the first. In fact, you're not the best if you put yourself in the long genealogy of this conflict and this concept of intellectual warfare. In fact, the man from my alma mater, who we'll talk about at some point this morning, uh, this month, Merle Raymond Epps, the Negro II in American history. This is from 1949. Self National Publication Company, Nashville. This book right here, you see this thick book, and he did a children's version as well. Friends with Du Bois, what does he do? Dedicated to a national educator. The best legacy for your children is education for other children. Yours won't be safe if their neighbors are ignorant. Come on, y'all. And, and yeah, so anyway, we get, wait, I should do this. You see chapter one? Right. The people of Africa. In other words, this framework is not revolutionary. And we'll talk about that. We'll start yeah. there next. And it's about us remembering, you know, that's that right. stops like everything's new. Nothing's new. We all stand on shoulders, but times have been passed. Let's remember. This is the point of, of this. And speaking of remembering, today's February 4th. Amadou Diallo was shot in a vestibule in the Bronx on this day, 1999. I remember it like it was yesterday because, uh, that was the killing that shaped and shifted my whole journalistic experience afterwards because I sat at a newspaper that said the cops don't rush to judgment, that they were right. And it was a street crimes unit, very similar to the one in Memphis, street crimes unit. They, they own the night was the name of uh, them as part of Giuliani, uh, Giuliani's uh, clearing up the streets. And this man, just a vendor minding his business and 30 bullets, 19 of them hit his body, 41 rounds. I'm sorry, 41 rounds. And I remember sitting there like stunned that, first of all, as a neighborhood, that that many bullets could just be flying in a neighborhood of people indiscriminately. And you can shoot someone 19 times. Since then, that has become like normal, uh, unfortunately, as we fast forward to, to Memphis. And uh, I was thinking about Kaepernick has a, a documentary on Hulu about a Bakersfield uh, police force that oh, killed. Yeah, I mean, it's just the drum beats keep happening and we keep forgetting. So, you know, it's not so funny you say that. Remember Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie, The Running Man? 
Yeah. Remember why he was in jail in the first place to be in the killer death? Because he was a cop in a, in a helicopter and there was a food riot and the cops slaughtered everybody in the street training guns. And because he was was flying the, the, the helicopter and said, I will not slaughter innocent people. They hit him in the face, knocked him out, pulled him out, and they put him in jail because even though the other cops had killed everybody from the, from the helicopter, they said he was the one that did it. And they called him the butcher of Bakersfield. See, this is the thing, because it was Bakersfield, California, where the food riot was going on. Now, people say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. No, please pay attention. In fact, all of Schwarzenegger's early movies are basically almost like futuristic predictions of what's coming. Fatal, you know, everything, the scanning, the body scan joins on Mars, the running man was before reality TV, Terminator, AI. It's like, wait, well, that's conspiracy. No, 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 no. Understand some of this stuff is to prepare your mind so that it will be easy. Slaughtering people for food riots, it's coming. And he was the butcher of Bakersfield <laughs> to go back to what Kaepernick was talking about. Listen, um, I just I sit here every Saturday, just like with my pen in hand, writing mm. down and, and imagining again the world that we need to live in. And I'm just very grateful that we have this space together. In both chats now, we did an overflow room in Nubia, uh, you know, reminiscent of church. You know, we're gonna have an overflow room for those latecomers. You know, we busted out the technology. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's nice being in both rooms because the, the energy is the same, but you know, conversations may be a little different. Yes. Um, and to be in community with people who are adding adding their bricks and their perspectives in real time and uh, Mondays are an extension of that to the nth degree because we get to come in and have actual dialogue with you uh, as we with us. through. Yes. Yeah, with us, um, including yeah. uh, I see this over your shoulder. Is that a new book? Yes. Yes. <laughs> black, on black. black on black. Black on black. Black on black on black on black. Not Jay-Z. Daniel no. Black. I got two copies, you know, because that's oh, what no I do uh, by accident. This time I did it on purpose. So I'm looking for he's going to be back on my show, Dr. Daniel Black. Amazing. Daniel Black. Yes. Uh, so uh, I just want to thank you so much. Monday, no, Monday, what are we doing? Monday night, we are answer, we're starting framing question four, which is um, how do Africans develop unity and thought and action beyond national boundaries, nation state boundaries, in the face of European and American imperialism? The time frame will begin in the United States with the Civil War and also connect the, the, the invasion of Africa, the Caribbean independence movement, liberation movement sparked by the social structure in the British. And the readings finally are um, in Gugiwa Thiango, the first two chapters of his small book, Something Torn and New. I don't see it here, here. See a copy here. This is uh, the Ngugi text, which is, uh, oh, put that over there. And all my books fell down. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. They all had to fall down because I was pulling this one over the top there. That's cool. They still falling. Yeah, they still, still fall because I had them stacked here as I was moving some stuff around, but they won't know more of them fall. That was only about 15, 20 books. Uh, in Googie something, uh, something torn and new, the first two chapters, which is, which is on dismembering practices, planning European memory in Africa, and chapter two, remembering visions. So he gets into the Egyptian. I'm sorry, Robin, we good friends, brother. But if you don't understand how the momentum of memory from classical Africa speaks to how we can reconnect and use that forward to problem solve. And I know you do. I just think probably maybe they edited it out in the New Yorker piece I read. But we'll do that. And of course, uh, Cedric Robinson, Black Movements in America, we'll be looking at chapters four and five. So that's what we're doing on Monday night. And uh, 3,500 people there last Monday night, and I'm expecting that number's going to continue to grow. That's a lot of work. So we're not worried about AP. No. Nope. Uh-oh. 
Yep. Oh, you, oh, you found it. Let me yeah. say less. Let me say yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say I love you immensely. Love, love all you Nubians. I will see y'all uh, in my office. Actually, tomorrow, Dr. Senyata is going to be yeah. with Rock Harper. Uh, what? New, newly award. Yes. James Beard Award nominee. Yes. Uh, of course, you know, and Nubian who keeps, uh, you know, out there representing us at the highest level. I love him and her together. So that's going to be tomorrow. Uh, Maroon's Medicine Chest. So tune into that, Nubians. And we'll see you on Monday, Dr. Carr, next Saturday. Love you, love you too.